Welcome back to LiveAnimated.com. Let's learn something new. I have a very important guest with me. We've worked together before in the past at uh, Rare Studios, Andrew Brownell. I'm saying your name right, right? Yeah, that's perfect. All right, yeah, awesome. You got it. Awesome. So uh, if you're new to the show, what we're doing here is we are making sure that uh, if you're an enthusiast or if you're already in the games industry, we're talking to professionals that actually do the work in the field and talk about their history, their schooling, and how they got to the position they're in so that it can help others. So let's just jump right into it. So uh, Andrew, you are at Fox Next, and you are a lead combat designer. So what what does a lead combat designer do? You don't have to go into into particulars because yeah, I know NDAs yeah. no, and stuff I've like that. But but what does a, a lead combat designer do? Uh, so uh, the way I, I sort of describe it is, is I, I'm like the gameplay designer. So anything that like you're actually doing in like the moment to moment gameplay of um, of a game is like. Uh, our game, which I can talk about a little bit, is sort of like uh, RTS. Uh, the gameplay is sort of similar to a game like Clash Royale. Um, it's on mobile. So um, basically, like I design the various types of units that you can deploy. Um, we actually have two factions, so we have trying to get like asymmetric gameplay between the two factions. And uh, I basically design like all all of the those sort of gameplay interactions. And there's a lot of like things like play balance. Um, I design the AI. Um, so that when you play against a computer, um, you know, it's fun and engaging and whatnot. So, um, we have some amount of like PVE content. So, uh, creating that kind of content, uh, but it's basically like the sort of the core guts of the game. That's like what I, yeah, that's what I work on. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. That's fun. Um, so what we're going to do now, I like to go way back. So we're going to go back way in back. time a little bit. Yeah. Nice. We're going to go back to the beginning of when you, uh, started your education. So, Villa Park High School is that in it's California? Local. Yeah, it's local. It's, uh, it's local. Okay. Yeah, it's it's in Orange County. Um, yeah, so I've I've lived in Southern California my whole life. So, oh wow, okay. Uh, okay. I've been sort of lucky to be able to stay stay around in the same area. So now, did uh, you know when you were in high school that you know I want to go into games? Now it's 1997, mind you. Yeah, so, I'm an old man. So play so PlayStation One was already out. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tomb Raider dropped. It's two years after that. I think I don't know what the big game claim to fame was at that point but so, i know team raider was big in 95 so i was always like a big like blizzard gamer like okay. the whole time when i was coming up so like uh starcraft was like my bread uh, and butter okay. in high school like i i played so much starcraft i probably had twenty thousand games of starcraft or something wow so, yeah that that was that was what it was about for sure but yeah i mean uh i when i was younger you know i started out playing on like nintendo and uh super nintendo and stuff but by the time i got to high school i was pretty much like a pc gamer Oh wow! Like so you got you became a PC gamer yeah. pretty pretty early, I think. Yeah, I think so. But yeah. like, like I think it was actually like the 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 Blizzard RTSs, and then like Command and Conquer, and like I, I was super into like sort of strategy games and whatnot. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. So when you were at high school, did you have programs that kind of got you into it, or was it still just a hobby at that point? Like, were you taking classes? Where you were designing things with other kids and like testing maps, doing some kind of D and D type wish stuff. I had that stuff. No. So back back then, I mean, like they really didn't have much in terms of like, and so so I wanted to be in games. Like I kind of knew that from a pretty early age. Actually, when I was uh, when I was in high school, you know, we had a senior project, and like mine was like designing a game, and I made like this big design doc, you know, which is like you think at the time is a real thing, but like I, I don't know how true that is now, but. Um, 
but yeah, but that was like my like my senior project, and I, I I got together a few of my friends, and we we like sort of created our own little startup that really didn't go anywhere, but it got us into E3. And so nice. I went around and like talked to a bunch of people that were in the industry at the time when you're, you know, as a kid, so I was like 18 years old. So that was, that was pretty awesome. Now you said GDD. So for the people watching, what, what is a GDD? And at that point, how did you know what a GDD was? Uh, so, I mean, that's why I, at the time there were a handful of books. I mean, it was like, I know back when they had paper books and it was crazy, but, uh, but yeah, there, there was, uh, this book, it was called like the architecture, like game, game, Game design and architecture, or something like that. It's this big orange book. It's about the only book I could find that was like actually talked about game design as a thing. Um, and I, I used to nerd out about like I think like Blizzard was one of the first companies um, that they started talking about like game design as a discipline. Um, and there's some, some discussion around that at like EA, and there's a handful of like these little pockets of game design, but it really wasn't a thing that like people understood. So when I heard that that was a job as a kid, I was like, oh my gosh, like that is what that's what I want to do. That's awesome. Um, but so yeah, so I, I mean, I, I definitely read some books and and whatnot, but like I I got really into this idea of like wanting to study games as an mm -hmm. idea, like how like like past I had a lot of friends that also played games and like you know we'd geek out about the games we were playing at the time we'd play against each other and whatever mm -hmm. but like I always felt like our discussions were very like uh, like deep <laughs> well no so in some cases they were deep but like that there was like a lack of understanding like there was a lot more going on that like the people who made the games clearly understood that like we didn't get yet okay. and as I started to like dig into that as an idea and read books and like, so like I said, like sort of study the games that I liked, it started to make me go like, oh wow, there's actually a lot more here. And like, I want to do that. And I want to like be really good at the idea of like, how do you create stuff that's fun and compelling and engaging and whatnot. That's pretty cool. So you mentioned you did a lot of writing and reading. Did you do anything like programmatic side? Cause I remember when we worked together, you know, there's a lot of coding yeah, and yeah, yeah, scripting sure. that goes on. Did you put your hands in that a little bit at that age as well? Or um, no? I did, I used some of like the, the map tools that were in a handful of games mm -hmm. um, but I didn't really get into programming that much it was interesting it's like at the time there wasn't I mean there wasn't anything like unity or, or like That's any true. sort of yeah. like tool that like you could do almost like scripting I mean wasn't games. unreal they didn't unreal have the the editor that came with you yeah, I mean there was, was quake like, and stuff or th there, there was like that sort of thing. you could make like levels okay in, modding in it was, stuff. Yeah, it was more like modding but like the the thing is, at the time, I remember I had a friend in high school that was into coding, and it just seemed like he was doing like some sort of alien language thing. Like it was like totally outside my understanding. And I actually did when I was in high school. They had like a college sort of class you could take that was in it was like computer engineering. And I thought like, okay, that'll be like my step in. And it ended up being much more about like circuits and circuit boards and stuff. And I I, I ended up like losing interest in it and sort of being uh, like, oh, maybe this isn't what I want to do. Right, so like the computer um, science thing side of things where you were like, ah, that's not. Yeah, but, but like programming as a thing like was uh, – always something I was kind of interested in. Like I was always into computers. So growing up, like always into computers. And so like, I, I remember like they used to, what was your first, was it, do you remember your first computer? I, I had an Apple IIe. An uh, Apple IIe? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, Mine was a PAL 286. Nice, <laughs> it's old. Yeah. yeah. One of those sideways ones. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but like, so, um, both my parents are teachers and so, oh, that's cool. um, they like, I think that's why we had an Apple. Uh, mm -hmm. and then growing up with it, like, I think they kind of encouraged me to, to, I don't know, be interested in computers or whatever. So I, I, I was kind of like a, a bit of a dork with that stuff. And so uh, I remember like getting called out of class to go fix like printers for teachers and stuff. That's good, like, man. They knew they were so, priming you. They're priming. No, I mean, that that was a thing. So it, it definitely was. 
a thing that was always like in the back of my, like in my back pocket was like just being into technology, I think generally. So, um, but, but yeah, the programming is, is interesting. Cause it's like when, when I was good, it just wasn't, it wasn't the same level of accessibility. Like unless you were a full on, like going to right. computer science school, mm -hmm. it was like crazy. It was like very, very it wasn't easy to pick to like, up and just be like, oh, I'm going to do this over the weekend. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny because I hear uh, I hear stories of people who got in the industry and like th that's how they got in is like programming games. And I'm always like super Im impressed because yeah. that seemed like, yeah, insane to me. The hardest like, route to get in. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, the thing was is that like when I, as I was, when I was looking at games, like the part of games that interested me, that was always like the the part that like I didn't I didn't get excited about like mm. like the actual like making like scripting and stuff at the time didn't really like it wasn't like the thing I was geeked up about like I wanted gotcha. to tell stories and make gameplay and do like it's like very like uh yeah like actual like game gut sort of stuff yeah. and so more like the creative development yeah like. right yeah mm. exactly and it's funny because it's like I think now I I'm not super like lore driven as okay. a thing, but I remember like being younger and wanting to do like choose your own adventure style RPGs and stuff yeah. is like uh, super into that. Yeah. So. The times are different now. Yeah. Things yeah, are really different. It is for sure. That's pretty cool. So I see we jumped to 2013, so we're going to bypass that. Uh, and it looks like, uh, so you went to California state university, long beach, but you went back for a certification, but that's yeah, later. That's so we'll, sure. we'll go back to that when we get back. So when you went to California state university, long beach, um, magna cum laude, congratulations. I know oh, it's difficult right. to, to stay at that, that caliber. Um, what were some of the things when you went to college? Like, did you base your curriculum uh, on getting into games or maintaining uh, what it was? Or were you, you said your parents were teachers. Were they trying to push you to go towards another route? Like, you know, like law, uh, doctor, something like that. Um, but I see you have a bachelor's of arts. So yes, but uh, did you did you did you build out your curriculum based towards games though, or was it just like I just need to learn some art, I just need to learn some things from that degree? Yeah. So I mean, actually, so if you go up a tiny bit more, um, do, 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 do. just a little bit. Um, the first thing I actually like right out of high school. So oh wow, two thousand one. Okay. Was, when I was eighteen years old, I went straight to QA at Blizzard. Nice. Which, like I said, like I was a total Blizzard <laughs> fanboy yeah. growing up. Like yeah. that was like it was like my dream come true. It was very very like lucky thing, and like that was like Blizzard was two hundred people when I. Joined. Oh wow! It was like early this early tiny little thing. So were you um, you were quality assurance, but um, was this a internship or was this like you were just full-blown working there i was full-blown working there wow. i i got like super lucky like i had a uh, like a friend of a friend happened to know how into like games and stuff that i was yeah and when i I don't, I don't actually even know how i got the idea in my head that like i could even get a job there you yeah. know but like when we had a conversation about it they like asked a person and like i just managed to like somehow get through you know get through the door and I, at the yeah. time i was like the youngest person working there it yeah kind of bonkers so. that was really early for them um, like what was the what was the warcraft 3 was that the big game at the time yeah. that you were testing yeah that oh, was hi. that was it and i tested it for like a whole year God, it was like dude. like classic yeah rain of chaos it's pretty awesome so as and like that's the thing is like one of one of the biggest like eye-opening moments was going from the state of like i wanted to be in games to like being in games yeah and all of a sudden you like you learn how like much more pragmatic it yeah. is as a thing. Like it's very eye opening. Yeah. Right. 
great. That's crazy. So, so anyway, so I did that, but like one of the things, and this is back when you hear all these terror, you know, terror stories about crunch and stuff. Yes. I definitely had some shifts of like 36 hour, like, wow. like stretches. But, but you get paid OT with did, your, your contractor. Did, no, that not, was true. And you I was getting paid nothing, you know, cause you're, <laughs> so, so that yeah. was like, that was actually a video. You're like, Oh, I'm making pretty like, good money. It. But yeah. like, I basically am sleeping at work, but yeah, yeah but yeah, but yeah. The, the thing was, is like seeing that. And then as we like finished up that project, the thing I was noticing was that there were some people that I was with that had already gone to college mm. and they were definitely like a step ahead of me. And okay. I could feel like, okay, like I had always planned to go to college, but like I had this crazy opportunity to work at Blizzard or whatever. I'm of course going to do it. But I was like, okay, I'm going to actually like put this down okay. and go. So af after we shipped or three, we were all contractors. So they were going to like let us all go and then rehire everybody okay. like six months later or something. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, okay, I, maybe I'll come back in six months. We'll see. And if not, I'll just like focus on like because I was going to college part time. I, I was taking like one or two classes a semester, and I would have graduated in eighteen just to years be enrolled or, or whatever. Yeah, basically just because I I wanted to be going to college. Okay, but it was just like you know, uh, sort of just barely ha squeaking out time here or there. Yeah. Um, so so yeah so so then to, to your other question, which was like now you're hey, going to college. Yes. you got a taste of the working man's life. Correct. <laughs> so you're like. Uh, I have a plan now. So yeah. what, what was your plan going into, is, is that just Cal State LB or how do yeah, you say it? Yeah, uh, okay. it's uh, Cal LB. Okay. So okay. yeah, Cal State Long Beach. It's okay. like probably a lot of people say it. Um, but yeah, like so that uh, my now wife at the time was actually going there. Um, we we uh, started dating when we were in junior high. And yeah, so, that can be tricky. So <laughs> we, we were dating all the way through high school and college. And so she was going to this school and, and so it, it was kind of convenient to go um, there. So um, you yeah. know, there's something good about that because you didn't have to worry about trying to get into a relationship or trying to date or trying to do certain that's things. True. It keeps uh, you focused on like, true. as long as everything is good there, it keeps you focused on the work that you're trying to do. So that's it good. It, I would say having, having like a, like a wonderful person you can count on support. And yeah. Like that support is like, yeah, it's pretty, yeah. I feel very lucky to have yeah. that. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. But, but going to college, like what was your curriculum? Like what were your, what were some of the so, classes you took that? you feel have helped you get to where you are so so one of the things is like i was sort of tinkering around with a lot of different like majors and so like that's one of the biggest things is like i knew i knew because i'd seen what games were and like what the skills that i wanted to have but i didn't have i was sort of just dabbling in a lot of different things which of course isn't a major or anything so i think like i probably could have been done faster maybe mm. but like what I was actually trying to do was actually learn things. So I remember taking up a handful of Photoshop classes, a handful of like 3D modeling classes. Mm. Um, I took uh, a flash. I know flash isn't a thing anymore, yeah. but I took like a flash class. It was fun where, when it was here. Where we made like websites and some animations and stuff. And like, yeah. that was cool to like learn. Um, but yeah, I was just like picking up, I, th I think I took a couple of like web classes, a computer, computer science classes, like just a little bit of everything. And I actually yeah. looked into like making a game design mm -hmm. major mm -hmm. at my school, which was like, you could do that, but it was gonna be like so intensive to like build mm -hmm. that program out by, by myself mm -hmm. that I was like, okay, I could do that. Or I could find a degree that like I could, I could sort of finish college somewhat quickly, which is what I ended up doing, which is I've always been interested in history. Mm -hmm. And as I was mentioning, like, I'm definitely not a, like a lore head. Yeah. So I was trying to think of like, okay, I've done all these like tech oriented things. I've taken some art. I've taken, you know, like what's the stuff that I don't, like I may be interested in, but I don't have that breadth mm -hmm. in. And so I actually thought like, okay, I took a couple courses and I, I 
kind of fell in love with a couple of the the subjects that some of the teachers that happened to be at that school. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just inspired me to like want to learn more. And That's so awesome. there was a period of time there, like towards the end where I was like, maybe I'm going to become a professor in history. Cause I, I just thought like it was super interesting. I, yeah. I my degree was in like ancient, um, ancient history and Japanese history, which was oh, like, Oh wow. Yeah. That's to, different. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but anyway, but it's just like, I just love like that, the literature of like, like people. And one of the things that's really interesting is just how you, uh, you'll tend to encounter this stuff that, you know, it's written thousands of years ago in some cases. And it's just so like, uh, still relevant today yeah. in terms of like the there you know there's just these writing where they're talking about picking up on girls in like you know the the the, the turn of of uh, the millennium I guess or whatever like the around t- the time of Christ as yeah, they yeah, say, yeah 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 so, so it's just I don't know just it's really interesting and there's just so much stuff there that I has, just found compelling so has any of the stuff that you've learned uh, have you been able to apply that to a game yet from your history what you learned about history. So the thing, the thing I would tell anybody, you know, especially because that's like the the way you're, you know this is focused, is yeah. that uh, the thing I learned in college is sort of like how to think. Yeah, it does, like the actual specific stuff you learn is really unimportant, and like that's true. It's, like like yeah. at least for me, that's how I felt. Is that like I learned a bunch of like things about a lot of different subjects, mm-hmm. but like what I kind of picked up on was like being curious. Like, right. what are the things that I'm interested in? Like, let's go read another book about that thing because, like, uh, okay. I'm just interested in it. Like, right. that's cool. It's like find those things you're excited about and like geek up about them yeah. and like get in, you know, get in the get in the mud and like figure it out. So, yeah, but I mean, like that ancient history. If you're like, hey, that inspired you, you like that. Like, have you ever been able to make a game where you're like, dude, I went to college for this. This is amazing. I'm using, you know, like you're going way back, like that Ratatouille, there, Ratatouille I mean, moment. <laughs> there's, there's, I mean, so like right now, like the game that I'm working on is, is, um, is so it's based on James Cameron's Avatar. Uh, okay. And so. One of the factions is the Navi, and they're sort of like, like maybe st- Stone Age to like Bronze Age, like sort of technology. Yeah. And so we are working directly with Lightstorm, which is yeah. like that production company that that That's makes awesome. um, the that like that franchise. And mm-hmm. it's been very helpful, I think, to just have like like there is that background knowledge of like knowing, hey, these are the sorts of like mm. technologies that existed in a mm. similar sort of civilization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it definitely comes up. There's yeah. definitely cases where you, you have can, elements you of like it. what you can take from real history and apply it to yeah, this sure. history of this for sure. movie genre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so awesome. it, it definitely comes up. But but it's been, it's it's honestly like it was more something that I'm, I'm still pretty interested in. And, yeah. and uh, I think it's good. It's worth going to, to college. I don't know how worth it is some of the really expensive programs, you yeah. know, like, but for me, it wasn't crazy expensive, and I think I, I got a lot out of it. So That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So you had your first job. So right after school, it looks like you were working again at 2004, multiplayer tournament manager. That's was, this- why I, that was why I was in school. So okay. so there is this um, – so, yeah, so go, if you go back to, like, the Blizzard thing, I came out of, of that playing – uh, Warcraft three and I worked on that game for a long okay. time, but I actually liked the game a lot. Like I just like, enjoyed it quite a bit. And so after I left, while I was in college, you have a lot of free time in college. You know? Yeah. So I played a lot of Warcraft three. Okay. I got pretty good at it. <laughs> okay. And so I was like one of the top uh, players in the country at, at you know at a point. And so there was this company um, called NGA, which they don't exist anymore mm-hmm. tier, but. Uh, Basically, like that, they were doing tournaments and like organizing like leagues and whatnot mm-hmm. for Counter Strike and Warcraft Three and a couple mm-hmm. other games. Okay. Um, and 
I just happened to play in one of their events and finished kind of high, but they had like, hey, we're hiring people on their like website or whatever. So I just reached out to them and said like, hey, whatever. And I had this like opportunity to like help run tournaments with them. And as opposed to at the time, see, nowadays everybody's like, oh, esports is this big thing. You could be a pro game or whatever. Back then, <laughs> that really wasn't a thing. I mean, I yeah. think the most I made in a tournament ever was like a thousand dollars, which was like mind blowing. Yeah, that was yeah, that was, was a lot at the time because you're like, insane. I'm sitting here like clickety clacking around and like using a computer and yeah, it was, it was making nuts. money off it was of it. Nuts. Yeah. But so like, but that was like a hey, I could actually go and work with a bunch of people who were trying to like sort of make esports a thing. That's and crazy. Like, like sort of kick that off. So I went there. I was there for about a year or so, I want to say. And um, yeah. but it was like while well, I was in college, it was part time. It wasn't like any sort of like huge commitment or anything. But we did some we did some big tournaments, some like um, national tournaments and stuff. That's it, cool. was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty fun. Have, did um, you get a chance to meet a lot of people that you're still communicate with today or no? It kinda in the uh, past. I definitely still have some friends from that time. Oh, okay. Um, but like it's What's interesting is like a couple of the people in particular, like they were, they went all in on that. And uh. so I know a couple of people who now are like heads of esports at oh, various, wow, like, that's at like cool. you know, various So they stuff. kept the dream alive. So it's cool. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I think what, like the experience of doing that, like it was, it was fun and I, I, I liked it cause I was still doing stuff that was like games adjacent, mm-hmm. but I think it was still, I still had the, the like sort of the itch that like I wanted to create stuff. Like right. I wanted to build stuff myself. Um, and so I think that's the reason why, like, I think when what ended up happening is that company ended up like shutting down. When they ended up shutting down, I didn't go like, well, now I'm going to go chase esports around the world and keep trying to like go after that. I, mm-hmm. I was sort of like looking, okay, um, you know, how can I get back into like actually right. building stuff in games? So after that, you went to, did you go right to Rift 5 after yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. 2004 to 2007. So you had a little bit of break there. Did you take a vacation uh, or what I, happened there? Were you trying to oh, assess yeah. like, so, well, so I was what school. do I want to do? So I was in school. Okay. Um, but like, yeah, so, this is so funny because it's like <laughs> all this stuff makes me sound so old. I feel like. It's not that long ago, man. Yeah, you think. But, <laughs> It'd be different uh, if it was like 19 something no, in front sure, of those that, numbers. That, that's fair. Um, so there was the whole poker boom. I don't know if anybody remembers the poker boom that yeah. happened around like the, the early 2000s. We'll right? star poker. And yeah, like all, all that, that stuff. Right? Poker so, stars, yeah. So there were a bunch of Warcraft 3 players that they quit playing Warcraft 3 professionally and they went and made started playing like online poker mm. and cleaning up like doing really well and I was like a very good Warcraft 3 player and I was like I wonder if I could do that same thing right so like when that company went out of business I was like kind of just looking around for something whatever okay. and I remember just downloading some random client and started playing and so I, that would became like my like part-time job wow. where like I, I basically paid for the like the rest of college bought my first car like oh my uh, god this is all just from on, online poker on this is before it got regulated right yeah, so that was the thing is like when in it's like right before I started at uh Red Five, like maybe six months before yeah. or something, is like they, there was a law that was passed that oh made it God, like really crazy. difficult to to do it. And it sucked because like the months like the couple months before that were like my biggest winning months. And I I had like this thing, like this vision of like five years from now I'm gonna retire and it's gonna be crazy because I was just like cleaning up for so, a period. So there. how did that work though? I mean like you said you downloaded a client, like were you just playing in like random chat rooms with people and you were just doing this or was it how did how did that even work i mean i got onto uh texas hold'em late in life okay so so yeah i mean it's a great game yeah but um no so what what it was there was uh there's it's funny so there was um 
the internet was still a, a budding young place. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> uh, but so th there was basically like a lot more competition. And so uh, because this was a space that was like just coming out of nowhere, but it was very profitable, you had a bunch of companies that were all like starting to like, you know, uh, start companies doing poker online at the same time, but they want to incentivize people to go play on their sites. Mm. So if you kind of did a little bit of research, you could find out, well, okay, what are the different incentives on the different sites? Okay. And by leveraging those, um, and this thing that people call rake back, but it's basically the idea of like, when you, whenever you play a hand of poker, you know, that the house is taking rake, you know, they're taking like some right, amount right. of the pot every time. Yes. So then That's some how they of these, pay themselves. Yeah. Right. Some, some of these companies would give you like 20 or 30% of the rake back. Oh, wow. And so if you, for could, each hand, each hand, they would give you your percentage, like, okay. like 20% of that. Okay. What you back. played. Right. Okay. So basically though, like, and the re so the way like the players like me who were making a decent amount of money were doing it, um, was that like you could play a lot of hands online, like way more hands than you could play if you were playing live. Mm -hmm. um, so like a typical table, like one table online probably does like double the hands that a live table does at mm -hmm. least. Yeah. Um, but I, I could play 18 to 24 tables at a time. Because oh, so you just open up that many clients and then just yeah, be right. like, click, 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 click. Right. And, and oh, so, wow. And, and if the, the reason, like I said, like th these players like me who are RTS players, mm -hmm. like, you know, there's that whole idea that of like action, actions per minute. You can do mm -hmm. something really quickly. So it was basically like leveraging those skills in a different wow. environment uh, where you're just like needing to act very quickly, making decisions very, very quickly. And then uh, doing that at such a scale that like you're playing thousands of hands a day. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. It was fun while it lasted. Cool. It, was, it was pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, there was a period of time there where I was playing quite a bit of poker, which is pretty fun. That never got you into day trading or anything? No, like, I mean, that seems like it would fit in perfect now with this Bitcoin going on and all yeah, these right, altcoins. Right. Like, so yeah, what are you doing? Sure. What are you doing? Yeah. No, it's – people talk to me. It's my uh, – occasionally somebody will be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, are you still playing or whatever? Because, you know, I used to be – I used to be pretty good, but – um, I haven't played poker in I mean, anything seriously in, in probably like, I don't know, five or six years or something. So you don't have those itches to like go to Vegas and be like, you know what? I want to try my hand and let's, let's do this. And no, I think, I mean, that's, uh, or is it different when it's live and it's person to person? Like, I do you... no, it's not that it's, it's actually one of the things for me is like, I never had that itch. Like if okay. you have, it, there's some people I think that like, they like to gamble. Yeah. It was never gambling to me. Like I took it very seriously. It was like work. It was, work. <laughs> it was yeah, like work. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. And, and I like read like 30 different books on poker and oh like was constantly watching like videos and listening to podcasts and stuff that were all like, it was like my focus all the time. You were submerged trying to it. like get really good at a thing. You yeah. Know? Uh, and, and so I think a Approaching it that way, like I, yeah, when I stopped because like I, you know, got a job doing something I enjoyed more, yeah, it yeah. was just sort of like, all right, I never That's really crazy. played it after that. I did not really know that about, about you. Yeah, it's funny. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what that that's gap is. Cool, is man. Like, yeah, that's cool and different. It is. It is. Yeah, I can see it though. I can see it. All right, so you were here for five years at Rare Five Studios. Yeah, uh, you came on to the scene as a level designer, world builder. What does uh, a level designer slash world builder do, um, and and what makes those roles different? Why are they different titles? Uh, yeah. So the reason for that is, is uh, so b basically like a world builder um, is. Uh, Usually in, in a like so we were working on an MMO. You you were there with me. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but so we had like an open world, right? So they, there's uh, 
huge environments. You know, there's various like jungles, plains, beaches, like, you know, huge play space. And so uh, a world builder typically takes the, the various like kind of art, uh, art assets that have been created by amazing artists, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, sort of places them around in a configuration to kind of create an environment out of them. Um, the thing that was different in this thing, in this particular position, was uh, we actually also made all of our own textures. So that was actually kind of cool, actually. And I'd never, you know, I mentioned earlier, like I had taken some classes in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. I'd taken college classes in Photoshop. That was my experience yeah, to yeah. Photoshop. You know, I hadn't, I'd made a handful of things for fun on the side and did a little bit of like, hey, somebody needs a logo. I helped out, you know, here or there yeah. or whatever. But like hadn't really done anything serious in Photoshop. Mm. And this was like some pretty serious, like using lots of stamp tool and yeah. running scripts and stuff. And so I learned a ton on the job. Um, I'm still really grateful to, um, I don't know if you ever worked with Matt Sanders at all, but I think he was probably gone by the time you got there. But but he was the, uh, when, when he worked for me, he was my boss. Uh, and he had been the lead level designer on Vanilla World of Warcraft. Mm, okay. And he, one of the most talented, like, people I've ever worked with. Like he is just so freaking crazy. Like he's that's awesome. Very fast and just can get a really high you know skill bar and all this stuff. Really impressive. And but the thing I, I really appreciate was he just sort of took me under his wing and just taught me like everything I knew about that that job. And like it just learned so much. It was really cool. Um but I actually you know over the course of I don't know two years or something got you know got pretty good at um basically just taking uh, you know, photo ref and a bunch of stuff and like turning that into a kit that you could like create a beach like out of nothing. Yeah. You know, or, or create it, you know, like a jungle scene or, or whatever play space. And the, so, so that's part of it. I think the level designer, ha- like half of that title is that, you know, in this case we were making a shooter. Mm-hmm. And so there's also the side of, you know, how does gameplay come into you know, come into play with the environment so mm. you actually have things like you know how are you going to include people line of sight and but you're setting that up right so yeah. like you're you're building out the world and then in doing that you're keeping in mind how you want to set up these encounters and set up these things in the world right right okay. yeah exactly so so at the time like there were other designers that were uh Thinking about you know how how do the how do the guns work how do the different character classes work you know mm-hmm. how do the systems in the game work but then like you laying that within a world where people can run around and, and fight one another and stuff so we were talking about like how do you know how do you create a, a cool interior and so like let's make a like sort of a what the equivalent of a prefab is like make mm-hmm. a a a gray box version of a you know a building or something and you could just place those around how do we make those the right size the right scale so that they create the right kind of gameplay right um and it was really challenging in in that project in particular because we were doing something at the time that had never really been done before. Right. The closest thing before that had been Planet Side. Yeah. And even that like wasn't at the scale of what we were trying to make. Yeah, it was new. Um, and it's it's weird when you think and look back now, a lot of games that are popular now they, they have the, have yeah. a very similar look, yeah. a feel, the armor, everything. And you're just like, oh. You know, I was one of those believers. Where yeah, I was like, no, we're I doing you, something man. here, you know? I, you. I mean, like, to see... Uh, one of the things is, like, when I think back at that, the game is, like, it's about eight different games that could yeah, have been... Yeah, in one. Could yeah. have been amazing. Like, yeah. any of those games could have been incredible. And, like, to right afterwards see Overwatch yeah. and Destiny, and, like, both of those in particular are just such great games. And it's, like, we had... We had the bits there. Yeah. We just didn't quite, like, focus enough. And, to, and even uh, with mechanics. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think one of the last things we were doing, we were jumping out of a dropship, going down to uh, the play space, and just playing the game, which is, like, what PUBG is. Yeah. But, but yeah, no one had yeah, that, that mindset true. of being, like, 
yes, it's a battle royale. Like, no one took it that extra step, you know? So it was like, it was crazy. But I know you guys are using proprietary tools there. Um, so what was what was the difference in using the tool where you could lay out everything? I know the world builder was like, you guys had to actually build the terrain by hand yeah. and then paint it, as opposed to like, if, you, if you've used anything of like Unreal these days, it's very easy to do yeah, it. Yeah, that's, no, that's it's very easy. Yeah, so uh, so one of the, like I said, I mentioned um, Sanders before, but like one of the the real benefits we had was we had the experience of somebody who had just built a ton of environments, and then we had this like amazing uh, tools programmer who's like one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life, um, Lutz, and, and mm, so the yes. two of them like got their heads together and just like built out this this tools pipeline that was like very sort of simple to start with but but actually he cared a lot about usability yeah um and because he had been able like basically they'd gotten the wow pipeline to be really mm -hmm. fast and efficient mm -hmm. and so he kind of wanted to get us there as fast as possible uh, matt so so i think like that that was a huge part of it is like the actual tools like once you there was a lot of nuance to using them. Yeah. It's definitely like an art tool, not a, you know, not just a, like a level building tool. Like yeah. a, a lot of, a lot of the editors now, it's like literally you take the things and you're just jamming rocks into rocks and right. you've got an environment. Right. This wasn't like that it at all. It was a lot more smarter, I would um, think. But it, it basically was using a height map. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the idea is you could take uh, each, each like vert and you could raise it or lower it. The thing that was cool in our particular engine was you could also skew them. Mm -hmm. So in a direction. And so we had tools, then you could like smooth things. So if you, once you got really good at those tools, you mm -hmm. could like build out a rock, but then actually like sculpt the, the geo Into to it, like yeah. make it look like a rock. And so it That's wasn't awesome. just like a flat surface with a texture painted on it. Yeah. Um, it was really cool. So yeah, yeah, I agree. I think once you, once you get in, and learn the tools there's a lot that you could do and create yeah. on that project because yeah. i remember i didn't really have any limitations on that project other than the limitations of like the title and hey oh, you should be working on this <laughs> but um but yeah it was there was a lot that you could do from and i was impressed by that because that's all proprietary and it's all like stuff like you said they just wrote and we yeah. were using yeah so. yeah I, I, it, I mean that team was like super there's a lot of talented people it was and uh, you can tell you can tell that because a lot of people went off and did Amazing things. things. Yeah, yeah amazing it's crazy. Stuff. Yeah. That's sure. crazy, man. Oh, it's good times. It's, it's good. Yeah, it's good to think back on those times. Um, so you went from level designer and world builder for two years uh, to going to game designer. So what makes what makes game designer so differently? And then, like, what were some of the things that, you know, you, you either learned or cherished or brought to the table uh, in that regard? Uh, sure. So, so there was actually, I mean, you, you lived through some of, of the, the storied past at Red yeah, Five, but, yeah. but like, all of it, uh, I, was there till it was, <laughs> I was there till it was done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, but so er, early on, right. like that first, you know, the first chunk I was there, like yeah. we had this, this core team of people and, and there was a bunch of issues that like came into play with funding and all this sort mm -hmm. of craziness. And so that there was a point where the studio was almost going to shut down mm -hmm. and one of the sort of negative consequences but then slightly positive consequences for me was we lost a lot of really talented folks that like i really liked working with yeah um and one of those guys in particular um uh, a fellow named rob garrett um who's definitely a solid friend of mine to this day he uh he was super talented and he was always like sort of focused on uh how how like you would use controls and ui to create an experience in the game in, in a really like sort of thoughtful way mm -hmm. Um, and so I always kind of looked at what he was doing and being, and 
was pretty interested in that. But then when he left, he actually went to Riot um, mm-hmm. and w- went to work on League of Legends. And so there was this sort of big hole on the team. Um, and I, I was sort of lucky at the time as I just put my hand up and said like, Hey, I would love to help out here. Like I see, like, there's a bunch of work. We don't have enough people to help out and do that stuff. Like, like, what do you guys, let me do it. What do you guys think? Can I, you know, can I jump in? Yeah. And I, I was just really lucky at the time that they were like, sure, let's, let's throw you in there. Let's see what you can do. You know? So, um, so yeah, so I started working, uh, closely on like the UI and the systems, um, with a couple of the other designers and, uh, building out a lot of the items in the game and um, some of the like the HUD and and elements like the world map mm-hmm. and uh, the one thing that was cool about that project in particular is that we always felt like we were short staffed all the time on every you know <laughs> thing so it was one of those cool things you, know, you get this in a startup I think yeah. um, but it's like if you put your hand up yeah. generally people go like all right go for it you know try to do that thing so there's stuff that I had never done before I had no idea what I was doing you know and like. I and I took just took some swings and you know sometimes you miss but I had a lot I learned so much and uh, there's also a bunch of stuff that I'm like I'm super proud of that like actually went well so yeah, um, yeah those are those are good times but the like the there's a lot of things about Red Five that like I think afterwards you know we're all kind of lamenting on or sad yeah but there was a lot of really cool stuff about that place there's yeah. some magic that was there. And one of the things that like I've seen from a lot of people who were there, who lived through the, the good times and the bad yeah. times, is sort of this uh, ability to thrive in like change, like environments that change a lot. Yeah. Like I have a bunch of people that I work with there that like you could throw them in like the, the craziest situation, and they'll be like, "Cool, what do I do? How do I help? What do I need to do?" And yeah. you're just like, "You're awesome." Yeah. The team um, was really. That, that's the one thing that I think management did a good job of building the team and getting people onto the team because. Like you said, it, there were a lot of talented people there. I haven't, I haven't been on a team of that size because hmm. it grew to be a very large yeah, team yeah. that we're was still like very functional. Usually, when teams get that large, they lose all that capability of being yeah, functional. Right, right. Um, but like you said, we were very reliable. Um, even though there wasn't a crunch mentality there, but even though like things needed to get done, people would stay late and like. Mm-hmm. They really focused on the culture of a tribe, and I think I think that was one of the things that actually benefited us being able to be adaptive to the cha- ever changing pace of like redesigning or changing based off player feedback and all that other stuff. Like I think that's yeah, the only thing that yeah. really helped us get through all that. Because if that wasn't in place, you know, I think more people would have dropped off like yeah. a lot sooner. Yeah, I think so. that's true. I think that's true for sure. So, but yeah, yeah man, it's like crazy. the the. The leadership there, it's interesting because I, I definitely feel like there are some people that I, I still really am glad to have worked with. Yeah. Um, uh, James McCauley, who was like the, the executive producer there, like I could just think of like like some of the things you're talking about, like how yeah. I, he did a really good job of fostering sort of like a, a community of like just like get in there and figure it out mm-hmm. and and a good motivator yeah but but in, in a way that i think it was more about building the team up which mm-hmm. is like there was this moment i always think back on when i was working there and this is the sort of thing i think like uh it may, it may benefit like you know telling telling a story if you're if you're sort of on your way up of like be, being frustrated or being unable to like figure something out okay. i remember getting this moment where uh one of the other designers 
had used, uh, we had like a visual scripting language we were using for a while. He had spawned a bunch of the NPCs in the world using this and then had gotten busy or something and they needed somebody to help out. So they had asked me to help. And I remember just getting like two steps in and being like, I don't understand how mm-hmm. this is set up. It doesn't make any sense to mm-hmm. me. And James, who was like literally our, our, um, you know, our EP, he was like, well, hey, come here, come, come sit down with me and we'll figure it out. And like, we literally like reverse engineered how this other designer had built this thing. And we just sat there, it took probably an hour and a half or whatever, but like step by step. And like, it was like a teach a person to fish moment for me. Yeah. Like I, I used to look back and I'm like, that was like, like now, like I never get stuck. Yeah. Ever. Like I never get stuck because you just get to the same thing, which is like, oh, well, okay. How did this other thing work? Yeah. How does that thing work? Okay. Yeah, he like, was good with problem solving and then yeah. helping others problem solve, even yeah, in areas yeah, that he was yeah. unaware of. Cause he had a, I think he had a, a very solid game background. As yeah, far as like yeah, working, that's, that's true. Like that. But like, it's really just that that mentality, right? Of like, you you could figure it out. Yeah. Like you just need to like ask the right questions. Yeah. You need to like reference the right things. Yeah. And so and yeah, put in the time right. and put in the time. Right. That's it. So, but I think I think it's an important like lesson, which is I think a lot of people can get to a spot where they get you know they, like I said they get frustrated yeah. or, or they don't know how to do something and they go like, well, I don't know how to do it. And some other person does. And so I'm just going to stop. And it's like, they'll flip the table. Yeah, and you just <laughs> like give up. Right. And, yeah. and I think like it's very easy to find a reason to not do something. Yeah. And it's like figuring out like, okay, what can I do next? Like what's the next step I could take to get me a little bit closer yeah. and always just be willing to be like, Hey, I'm going to try. It yeah. might not work out, but I'm going to try. Right? Yeah, a lot of people uh, fail to mention or fail to see that there's a lot of growth that comes from that because yeah, it, it empowers you. It, yeah. It, it helps you challenge yourself. And then every time you get a victory, you feel that much more confident. Like you, like you said, you're, yeah, you were able right. to raise your hand and be like, throw me in the fire. I'm down to yes, try this. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. There weren't a lot of people that were doing that. So, um, but it's one of those things where it's like, once you do it and then you become successful at it, you're going to be so much more open to like trying new things, being more successful and so yeah, on. So right. yeah, it's awesome to you. That's yeah. really awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. That's so uh, we are going from Red 5 Studios to... Riot Games, you mentioned them earlier. You went from game designer to, I know this is a completely different title, Summoner's Rift Update Lead. What is a Summoner's Rift Update Lead? Yeah. So I, I don't know if what do you do? You are. What does were, that do? Were you familiar with League at yes, all? Yes, I, I, I play League. I, I, I think one of the things they did there is we play League of Legends a lot after hours at Rift 5. That's true, we did. Yeah. While intoxicated. So what's interesting is a lot <laughs> it of. It was a lot of fun. There were a bunch of people yeah. who. Uh, were sort of like alums from yeah. Red Five that went. Yes, that's to, true. But that Riot. was that was much later though. No, but it was yeah, well, no, but there were some. Like I said, there's some in that early group that, oh, okay. that like like Tom Cadwell, who's like the the VP of design at Riot. Okay. He actually like was was a producer at Red Five oh. during the early years. So hmm. um, there's a, there were a handful of people that that moved over there from from Red Five, um, but. Uh, like Justin Hansen's over there now. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot there's of people over there still. Capratus and yeah. Yeah, but, but it's real cool. Um, but uh, where was I going with that? The the uh, oh, so again. you you were going so, with what what is yeah, Summoner's Rift update? What, what, what is that? Okay. What is yeah, that? That's a right. very unique title to that company. Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> so. right. So so like my 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 actual title, and this is the thing that's like the, the reason this is on my resume in this way is because I think it. I want to make sure to paint the right picture. It's like what uh, what I was doing, right? Which is that. I, I was sort of like the the creative lead on okay. uh, this on the, what we call the maps team at the time. So and then uh, you were on for the Summoner's Rift map 
you were the lead on that map. That project, yeah. So, okay. so if you if you play League of Legends about uh, I don't know whatever year that says, like 2014, I want to say is when we shipped it. Yeah, okay. So 20 in like 2014, I think the end of 2014, we shipped the probably like the biggest update to League of Legends mm-hmm. that. I can think of it they they probably have ever shipped okay um which was like we completely redid the map we redid all the monsters on the map we did a bunch of the the ui elements and a bunch of really great stuff and i was on this team of like you know uh something like 60 of the most talented people i've ever worked with well, that's a lot of people i think it was, it was that many people it was bonkers um and it was me and like one other uh like sort of uh production guy and we were and i had an art lead um that was super talented on that project and it was just like we had one. We had one other like sort of design person that like was part time oh, on wow. the, the project. That was it, really. So, uh, but like that was the thing is like that that project. I had moved into more of like a like a leadership role more than like sort of get your hands in the guts and make the thing. Yeah, um, I noticed that is, they're good with that with like helping you level up to yeah. become more than what you are. Type yeah. Of so w- I definitely feel like the, when I, when I joined it, it f- there was a phrase that somebody said to me once and I, I really liked it and believed in it. And I, I thought it was like really, uh, it really explained like the emotions of there. It's like, you know, they sort of have you grab the fire hose. Like, mm. you know, like that, that's literally like they drop you in the deep end, but it's like the deep end and there's sharks swimming around. I mean, it's like, that's, that was the mentality. And so, for me, there were these super talented people that were all around me, and I was just looking around, being like, "I don't know if I belong here." Like mm-hmm. these people are so good, mm-hmm. um, and but all it did is make me want to like try really hard, mm-hmm. right? Like I wanted to be as good as they were. Um, my uh, manager was a guy named Joe Tung, who now is like the the League of Legends uh, product lead. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been like the the executive producer on uh, Destiny before going mm-hmm. to to Riot. Just really, really smart guy. Yeah. Um, like, and it's just a great sort of humble leader. Mm-hmm. And there was just these moments where he would just give me like he would give me this advice just straight, and that's just like that's how he is. But like he would just instantly level me up because he it's like you got like the ding and the spark would go over your head you know yeah. like those moments because it's just these things where i would be doing something a certain way and he'd be like you should just have those other people do that like ask those people the question instead of you answering like those little moments and you're mm-hmm. like oh uh, uh, okay that makes sense and you would i would just try the things he would suggest and like be blown away um by yeah like how basically how much he he knew how much these other people knew and how much I, I could learn. Right? It sounds so. like he was teaching you like how to be efficient with time so you can focus on the things that you really can excel at. Maybe or what did you learn in that moment? I think it was more around like sort of like servant leadership, which is that okay. like when when I uh, I think when you're younger you have this mentality that like you need to be the smartest person in the room. Mm, like you actually okay. need to have the answers. Mm-hmm. Somebody asks you a really hard question and I think really good leaders are really good at asking really tough questions. Mm-hmm. The tendency is to want to be like, oh, well, this is the answer. I'm going to like tell you why I'm smart and like why yeah, yeah, yeah. I belong here. You know, yeah, please, yeah. please don't fire me. Like that kind <laughs> of, you know what I mean? Um, and what what he was sort of teaching me, uh, and it was a bunch of different ways, but I think it was this idea of like surround yourself with people that have those answers. Mm-hmm. You don't need to have all the answers. You just need to be smart enough to know that like you have you have other people who can contribute in that way. And and it's also an opportunity to build up those people as leaders 
like within your team, you know? So mm-hmm. that was one of the things is it, it wasn't like a, uh, I, I wasn't trying to be the focus of the conversation, but I, I was sort of un, unwittingly doing that, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. we'd have a, a review or something and I would monopolize like, you know, 50, 60% of the talking within the meeting just because like I was trying, you know, I was trying to justify yeah. like, Hey, I, I, I seriously, I, I'm doing a good job. Like, yeah, yeah. Pl- please think I I'm doing a good job. I belong here. I just yeah. want to let you guys know. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, but but I I think what what I actually started to learn was like, hey, when I when I throw that question to my art lead instead of answering it, it now like gives him the confidence that I have confidence in him, mm-hmm. right? To as an art leader, him, yeah. and I think it also like it helps him step up too. So he's growing as well. Um, and then I think it, it also shows a little bit of humility, right? Because it, it's sort of like you admitting that there's people who know more than you do about mm-hmm. things. And, and and so like there was – that was like a big – that was a big like learning moment for me of like how, cool. how to be a sort of a stronger leader mm-hmm. is just a willingness to be like, okay, these other people like – there, there's a lot that other people can give you if you if you let them, you know. Yeah. And so it's just like trying to find, um, yeah. I I try to as much as possible like ask other people like yeah. what what they think and and try to reflect that stuff back, right? Because because I definitely do feel um, everybody's got opinions, you know. I, I've got opinions like anybody, but I I do think that. Uh, Get, get, like gaining that as a skill is like a very valuable skill. It's like being able to use the room as a barometer for like how something is going, how something is good or not. You know, like as an example, like we were we were doing on this project, we redid a bunch of creatures that mm-hmm. that like in many cases didn't exist before. You know, we were making you talking up. about the creatures that are that are in the forest, that are in the yeah. jungle area, like like the gromp and the, yeah, 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 the yeah. Krugs yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. Like yeah. none of that, like the dragon, like just all this stuff is like we some of them like we were we were sort of upgrading, but some right. of them we were literally like making up out of out of you know thin yeah. air and like that's not like when you have a game that's played by as many people as play a league like there was a lot of pressure on us to like yeah I to, bet. To, to to like you know hit right to actually like you to know, deliver to deliver yeah. um but yeah I, I definitely i think what i started to learn was that like okay give people a really good heading and then try to to just like as much as possible, point back at that, but then let them get creative, let them iterate, like push them to iterate quickly, but then like let them go. And like, there are some moments that I had on that team in particular where like the the creatures, like we had a pod of like creatures, which is like animation and VFX and um, uh, concept and uh, narrative and stuff. It's like this whole little pod of people. And like, by the end, they were like, like a powerhouse. They were crazy. And like, I was, all I was doing was just like like nudging from time to time, like stepping in and being like, uh, I don't know if this is aggressive enough or I yeah. don't know if this fits in the world quite enough. And that's all I would need to do because like they were just rock stars. Um, and then they, they would go in and blow me away over and over and, and do stuff that I would have never ever imagined we would accomplish. So That's awesome. Um, that's a, it sounds like a lot like the think tank mentality when you have like yeah. a little group of people, a pot of people. Was that the first time you mentioned that they did something like that? Because – um, with changing that map and doing those type of things, because if it is like, I think they've, I still play it now with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've taken that and fostered it and they keep yeah, doing it. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's yeah. really polished now. Like each creature has its own personality. Like it's, I think they've done a good job with doing that. Yeah. No, the, so. um, I think that there's a bunch of stuff that by, um, sort of, 
production partner on that project, uh, Ben Karsich, there was a lot of things that he he like pushed um, in that team. And like that that was one of the things in particular I think was was starting to help set up like how do we how do we set the team up in such a way that they can move really fast and yeah. and so I, I credit him with a lot of of what we accomplished on that that project. That's for awesome. Sure. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I definitely think I mean anywhere you go, it's like finding finding great people to work with and then just try to work with them as much as you can. Yeah, and that, I, like, I was like going to mention before too, thing. like. All the, you know, surrounding yourself with smart people, asking them questions, that also, like, fosters communication and team building, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's absolutely. also really good to ask questions. Because I think there's a mentality where um, before, like, earlier in um, the industry, they would be like, oh, you know, you don't want to ask certain questions because, like you're saying, you want to make sure that you, you are competent. You are able to either figure out or problem solve on your own before you ask a question. But there is another side where, like, you know, it'll make you faster at what you're trying to accomplish. Just trying to utilize your team and, you know, seeing if someone can help you out. Um, it is also um, worthwhile to explore and try to figure out things on your own. But, yeah, I'm t- I totally agree with that. Love, you know, especially with now, I think a lot of things are open floor uh, mm-hmm. with how they have seating and stuff where you can literally just look over and be like, hey, man, I'm doing this real quick. What happens if I do this? And then if I don't do that, what happens? I don't want my scene to crash. I just want to know. Do you, I think you know the answer to this. <laughs> right. You know, and then yeah. they'll be like, yeah. Uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, awesome. And you can keep going as yeah. opposed to stopping and then being like, okay, think tank, open up Chrome. Let's see if I can figure out what I need to do. And you could just get the answer and you yeah. Know, yeah. utilize the team. So that's, yeah. that, I like, well, I like there, how you explain that. There, there was this moment. Um, I don't know. I want to say it was probably early, early in my red five days, but there's this moment where like somebody communicated this idea to me. That's like really resonated with me over the years, which is like, uh, like usually, and this is not always the case. You might, you might be at some horrible company where you do have a dictator running around yelling at you to do every <laughs> single thing, but but hopefully it's not like that. And so usually like you are the main sort of the decider yeah. of how something ends up showing up in the game like that you worked on, you know? And so, uh, I think a lot of people get hung up on this idea of like when other, you know, having other people contribute ideas or having other people contribute to like the thing you're working on. Like I actually, my favorite people to work with are the ones that like we can go jam on stuff and like, Mm -hmm. we'll just like go and grab a whiteboard and start drawing all over it and, and acting out animations and like making funny sound effects and like, all of that stuff because like we end up like plussing each other up so that we end up with a result that neither of us could have got to mm-hmm. by ourselves. Right. And, but I, I do think like there is this school, a lot of like more early development that you hear these stories of these people who are just jerks who are like in charge of, you know, uh, design or in char- charge of, you know, a, a department or something. And they very much like they, they rule it like a dictator or something. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that that's as effective. Like even if yeah. those people are brilliant, yeah. it still just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't do as well as if you have like a bunch of people with all of trying to think about how to make the game fun and, yeah, and it's look true. good. And, and without naming yeah. names, like it's, it's totally true. Like, cause when you think of some of the greatest games that have come out, it's usually been ruled with that hard thumb of like being a dictator at the helm and but the games are amazing but that you know that's that that doesn't um there's no longevity in that it's like that was an experience that was created and it was hard to have that same individual do the next iteration of that experience you know um 
but yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you can even you can even say like it's it's all online. Like, like God of War, God of War was an amazing game. It was an amazing game, mm-hmm. but it was ruled really hard, you know, from which, what you can read online and what oh, you yeah, can find sure. out. And um, it's crazy, and, and that franchise has grown, but you know, it it has it definitely has changed and matured. And then with uh, how the work environment has changed over the years, mm-hmm. it's a different approach, you know, with how they've done the latest God of War. So it's. It's crazy, it, it, and 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 I think that was a time in game history where people were just making a name for themselves. Like a lot of mm-hmm. people were, I think they were coming out of it as, as like, yes, I'm working with a team, but I am this, and that's 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 why I like doing what I'm doing here, talking to people that actually do the work because. A lot of times you only hear of like the CEOs and you only hear the people yeah, who are like, sure, sure. they do nothing on making the game, you know? Yeah, right, right. You know, they may shake some hands and, you know, smile a lot at the camera, but, you know, they can't go and build a level or do animation or do programming or do, you know, a lot of times they don't. Yeah, sure. So, um, so yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't, I mean, the other thing too is I guess there's the other side of that, which is like I've worked with some pretty great uh sort of like visionary leaders. Yes, that, but that's a visionary, yes. But, and, yes. And I think like the ones that are good at that though, they have very strong opinions, mm-hmm. like strongly held. Like they are like- And this expectations. Is, this is very like, we should do this, we shouldn't do this. But the best ones, like if you give them a counter argument, they will go like, oh, I'm gonna consider that yeah. and like recompute that problem. And sometimes mm-hmm. they're gonna come back and be like, no, that's wrong. Like yeah. we should actually still do the thing I'm saying. But some of the time they'll they come back and they go like, oh, yeah, they're the leaders okay. that listen. They listen, and, and, and I, I think know. yeah. But but I, I definitely like. I do think that there is somewhere in between, like somebody who is like that visionary who is mm-hmm. like very hardline has a belief of what the thing could look like. Like I think that's actually very difficult to do that well. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is a version of that that is good that yeah. like isn't like a you know it's not like it doesn't have to be e- like in this evil in the industry, right? Yeah, yeah. But I definitely think like yeah that the the difference between that being done well and not is usually that listening bit. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times uh, they don't listen. Or uh, they don't want to. They don't want to change because they want the idea to all be their own. They want ownership over the whole thing. So, but because I've experienced that aspect of it, and I've also experienced like um, given ideas, having those engaging conversations, like you're saying, like going to a whiteboard and and like really boiling down something, and then they're like, you know what? Let me think about it a little bit more. You're like, hmm. and you feel good because you know, even if even if your idea is not taken completely, because you that's one thing you got to learn too is that you know once you start speaking, once you open your mouth, yeah. Yeah. It's not yours anymore, and you got you're sharing it. Um, That's true. Um, but what happens is, from sharing that and having this other person now be able to compute it and think about it, like what you mentioned, um, when it comes back, you can be like, "That's awesome!" Like cause they may take it to a whole nother level mm. that you weren't thinking about, right? Um, because you're only coming at it from your skill set or from what your thoughts are and it's like that's really awesome um the only thing about that is that 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 takes up time and that that uh pushes out milestones but but it's still an important thing that needs to be done you know so yeah for sure yeah that's cool that's awesome man so you went from the summoner's roof lead to going to live gameplay balance lead what is what is that like these titles i have not talked to anybody yet with with all i'm doing that has had such unique uh titles that are specific to the company. So what does a lead, uh, what does a live gameplay balance lead do? Uh, so, so there's a team um, on league. Uh, I think it, I imagine it's still, it's still there now, yeah. but um, it's basically, you know, like one of the things that I think makes uh, league of legends exceptional 
uh, as a game um, is actually the fact that they update every two weeks. Yeah, um, they got that down. They got that down to a science. Yeah, man. No, it's, it's it's really well it's done. It's very impressive, and, and like the technical, like the the technical capability to do that is not something to like you know sort of shake a finger at. Like, yeah, it's very impressive. And they have not yet, to my me playing being a gamer of the game, they have not broken the game with all the updates they have. They either be like, oh. We notice that people are getting too many points on ranked or getting too many points yeah, on whatever yeah, yeah. matchmaking. So that's turned off, but you can still play the game. Right. But they haven't sure, broken sure. the game where it's yeah. like, hey, we're down. Like, no, so like, you know. We actually, like, there was a mandate that, like, everything you add to the game, there's a switch to turn it off. Mm. I mean, like, they, like I say, the way that they've built the game from a technical perspective is very impressive at this yeah. point. It wasn't always like that, you know, and there was yeah. a bunch of, like, stu- like stumbling and, and crawling along the way to get to where they were. I mean, I, I was there when. That was sort of that mandate came down from like sort of the top leadership of like we're going to get to the point where we can do a two week patch cadence reliably yeah. and it was tough. I mean, there was yeah. there was a lot of of patches where stuff slipped and didn't get into the patch or or we had to push the date by a couple of days or whatever. But eventually they got on this rhythm and it's really impressive. So anyway, I bring that up because um, so one of the things there's this team that the they sort of they own the the balance of the game. Um, but the one thing to think about, you know, League is a service. And so mm-hmm. the way to think about it is a bit different than it's not a game like chess or even a game like StarCraft in a way where I think because of the little that like a game like StarCraft changes, like they're not like adding new units every week or something. Well, it's like the defense um, of the ancients thing, right? Isn't that what it's like? Yeah, no, I mean, it's right, just like yeah, that. It's, yeah. right, it's like that. Okay. But, but like basically like the difference is like a game like, let's say StarCraft, they would do balance patches like once a year after a while or mm-hmm. like very occasionally, right? Yeah. And the idea was the goal was actually like you're trying to make the game perfectly balanced, which is mm. I think still aspirational, but like is more achievable in a game like StarCraft mm-hmm. than it is in a game like League, where basically like League is constantly evolving. Like that's yeah. the nature of the game. They're gonna be adding like new stuff. They they actually intentionally shake things up like all the time. So they have this team that the whole point of the team is to make it so that like you can play your champion. You know, you can there's diversity in the game that there's uh that basically the reason that you win or lose a game isn't because you could just go to a list on the internet and read off i should play you know x y or z character yeah, do these things in this do order this, yeah there, there's actually more depth to the game than that because like the there's actual teamwork are working and yeah. like the roles are set up in a way that you know they're actually accomplishing a particular sort of slice of the pie mm-hmm. there's a lot of intentionality um that goes into that sort of thinking. And like, it's, it's incredible actually. Like I learned a lot from the people I worked with on that team because the amount of thought they would give to a small change, like I'm going to give, you know, Ramus plus five damage to his you know, W or whatever, right? Like some like very, very minor change, they would give a ton of thought and debate to and discuss amongst one another. And then we would put that in and then play test the hell out of it. And then weeks later would actually make that change and chip it. Right. And they were making, you know, 30, 40 of those changes, every patch. Mm. And so that team, they're like a machine. And like, I, like I, I ran that team for about a year. Um, and it, it is an intense thing. And there's just so many factors that can go into, like I said, balancing a game like League of Legends, cause it's just so complex. But like one of the things we built up while I was there was this, we called it like our balance dashboard, but it was like using a bunch of data to sort of, come to conclusions on which projects we should take on and then how we validated like which projects were we actually work. So if we were trying to like improve the win rate of a character or 
like some of the more like nuanced versions of that were like, hey, this character's uh, skill floor is is sort of too low or is too high, and so we want to like nudge those around, right? Like that's actually like not obvious, you know, as a sort of design problem. And so I think like there's just a lot of really interesting analysis and um, sort of critical thinking and problem solving that. Um, yeah, that we did on that team. And it's really cool. And the, the one thing I always try to do, like whatever team I'm on, is be, sort of be pushing the the boundaries of like what we can do. So we try to take on some projects that were like outside of the realm. And and some of them led to like, you know, these moments where we, we broke the game in some way or another. But like some of those moments are some of the most memorable. And that's, that's sort of gotten, you know, helped me articulate like when I think about like what my design values as a game designer are, I think, a lot of them came out of various experiences. One of them was on that team where, uh, you know, we we made a change and it has this cascading effect where it totally breaks the meta. It screws up all this stuff. But the stories you heard from that, sure, there were some people that were flaming us on the forums and like making YouTube videos where they were very upset. But there was also these other people who like you could hear like they're thinking about the game and like their deep interest in sort of solving a new puzzle and that was just super cool and so like i always started to tell people like the reason i make games because i want to be like sort of creating memories for people right it's like you want to have these stories that they're going to tell for like years and years and years and it's like sometimes actually making a rough edge in a game like breaking things a little bit is like how you generate those stories mm -hmm. um and so I, I think people are sometimes a little bit too scared to to, to, to like sort of sometimes make people upset because sometimes, like I said, because sometimes that actually can create an emotion. Mm -hmm. And that emotional response is like actually a lot of times what's going to create the fun or those memories. Yeah. Um, I think I think with what they've done numerous times is when they put out a new champ, that champ is so OP. But what they're doing <laughs> is like they're making you go, I want to play this character. Sure. I'm yeah. really powerful. And then they nerf it. But then I think what people seem to forget over time is that, hey, it's going to be okay. Even though they're going to nerf it, yeah, it's going to yeah. be okay. But those people who were like, but I was so strong, they're the ones that have to get over that hump yeah, of yeah. like, well, it's, it's not good now. When it is good, it's just, it's going to be all right, man. They've ner they've they've <laughs> brought in hundreds of characters. They've nerfed hundreds of characters. Yeah, yeah. And the game is still fun, and it's still okay. But it's, it's, it's one of those things I think people forget every time a new champ comes out. They think it's going to be perfect right off the bat. And it's the same thing. It's always the same thing. Everyone will start playing it. It'll get into that rotation of being free for that week or whatever, and then you're OP when you play it, and you feel good. You're like, yes, we're winning games, and you get knocked back down to bronze, <laughs> and you're like, wow, they nerfed it. I can't win anymore, you know. So, but it's pretty cool. I think that's really cool. So when you're talking about um, the live portion of gameplay balance, are you talking about uh, you guys? You weren't manually. I, I don't believe you could manually go in and take. I think they maybe had what seventy characters at the time, or not even a hundred yet when you were on the team. Uh, they probably had. A, we were about a hundred. And um, so you, you're not you're not changing those manually, right? Like, I mean, it had to have been something where, like, because you said there's a chart. I would so, think if you if you change the slider on Ramis, yeah, yeah, and you know, I'm looking at it as like you know when you play it's those foot, those football yeah. Uh, yeah. football manager games where you're like I'm gonna change this stat and then everything changes. That's like, exactly what it's is like. that what it's That's like? Exactly okay, so like. so each character yeah. I'm I'm just envisioning like each character's in a, in a bucket. You change something here and it 
you know, you get like these little crit damage points or whatever on everybody else that's a selectable character and how they react to the change you made for the one character, like of Ash. Her arrows do that, this now, yes. and now everyone's like, oh, that one, this character may not get affected. This character gets affected a lot, and blah, blah, blah. But it's all automatic, I feel. I mean, I can't believe you guys are No, it's manually. not. It's all manual. That's, oh, God. That's, so that's the, the thing that's, that's what I was saying. That's it's crazy. Like the, that's a the, lot. The people who, like, there were a couple guys I worked with that they had been on that team for like a couple years before mm -hmm. I had joined. And like, the way that they thought about the characters in the game was just very, like, is incredible. Like, you'd have somebody who had, like, such deep understanding about a particular champion, and you'd go, like, okay, well, if we have a question about, like, karma, like, I'm going to go talk to this person. Yeah. Like, they they know more about karma than anybody in the company, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was that sort of uh, really, like, sort of impressive understanding. But, no, it, it's, it's exactly, like, what you're talking about is, like, one of the things, like, when I was saying, we were talking about how to approach which projects to select is like, I was trying to do a lot of that sort of like strategic level thinking about how to approach balance. When you say projects, are you talking about which champ? Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, it could be I'm items. Like, it could be, okay. it could be rooms, ah, right? Okay, like okay, now gotcha. like they have like the rune system and whatnot. Like it could be like any, it could be like the even things within stuff, yeah. the game. So it might be like dragon or, Got you. Okay. or the buff that red gives you when you, when you kill the, the yeah. monster. It's like all of that stuff. You've seen what it does now though, right? Have you been playing League I haven't Legends? played. I'm sorry, I'm like going to be like totally ignorant to say like I haven't played League in about the last I don't know nine months or something. So, dude, it changes uh, the map now. But go on, go on. Let's go. Let's finish it. Let's oh, finish your thought. I it, did see that. So that's it's really cool. That's pretty crazy. It's really cool. Like, yeah. yeah, it's really exciting. Like there was something like that that we talked about for years wanting yeah. to do, and like yeah, it's super cool to see awesome. some stuff. That it re it off. reinvigorates the game. It makes it makes you go like ah oh, because it changes the map. It changes where you can path everything. But let's that's, let's continue uh, talking that, about that's overtime. awesome. Um, but no, it, it's just the. The thing you're talking about is true, which is like, let's say you, if, if you ch make a, a character who is very strong uh, in a particular way, like weaker at that thing, yeah. it has like any character that has any relationship with that character. So like, you might be like, okay, I, I nerf a particular ADC. Mm -hmm. There's gonna be uh, certain supports that are better with that ADC. Mm -hmm. By nerfing them, you're actually kind of nerfing all the supports right. at the same time. Yeah, um, And it might not be, at the magnitude of the main character you're, you're touching, right? But like it affects all of them. But then you're also doing the reverse, which is like all of those supports and that ADC, all the characters that fight against them mm -hmm. and with them are also getting adjusted. So it's like this, mm. it's sort of like you're throwing a pebble in a pond and like there's yeah. these ripple effects. Yeah, That's every change you make. And so what, uh, what we sort of found over time and like it's sort of been one of my guiding lights is that you, you should you should do lots of very little changes yeah. because if you use that like analogy with like a pond, if you throw in a big rock, it has like, it actually creates waves. Yeah. And it's very hard to predict yeah. what, how, like what's going to shake out of that. If you make like, if you throw like a handful of sand, it doesn't like, it doesn't really do much to yeah. the state but you of add the water. Yeah. But like, it will make you kind of, uh, in the case of like a game like league, it makes, it sometimes will make you question the relationships of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And, what I've always sort of uh, sort of contended is that league is the most fun mm -hmm. when you're experimenting. Right. When you believe that, like you have hope in your heart that the champion you're playing might be overpowered, or that you know that that this particular strategy you want to try might you know really pay off, right? Like you always want to feel like that's there's that possibility of that, and like when that's true, league is so fun to play. Yeah. And when it's not, when it feels sort of stale and solved, it's not very fun to play, and so. Yeah. 
by by say, sort of taking this approach where you're affecting lots of things a little bit, I think that's part of the reason they've been able to foster like this this sort of the game is very fun to play week after week after week. Because, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because the game is changing and it's making you go like, huh, okay, like which puzzle am I going to try to solve? You know, in this game. Yeah. It, you made you made me think about a thought that I, was, I, I thought about saying or not saying, but I'm gonna say it. It, it is kind of like chess. It's almost like a real time, a real time battle chess. If you think about it, because I mean, if you imagine the piece, the characters, imagine someone picked a pawn, a bishop, a rook, uh, and maybe the queen to play. You know what their moves are in chess. They can only move in certain patterns and stuff. But imagine if it was like real time battle chess, where like you don't have to wait. <laughs> you, now heard? you got your bishop like swooping in and like doing some hey. damage. You know it's. It may it, listen to you talk made me think like it, it can be like that and I never thought about it as like a chess game but I have played matches where you you look like you're gonna lose you don't have as you don't have the uh, a highest amount of kills like team wide and you know I'm glad they don't have like a countdown timer where the game is just ends but if you can last and get your build your your build that you know works and your other team is building themselves up no one's giving up everybody's mm -hmm. pushing through you can still win. In your match, which is insane. And I think a lot of it goes to the other team, not knowing how they're feeling, but a lot of times when you see after the game is done and what people are talking about, they're frustrated. They were yelling at each other. They were arguing. Yeah, sure. And so yeah. those matrix that they have, when they give you those little pop-ups of saying, like, you know, 66% of games that win or whatever is because people are being positive and actually helping yeah, out yeah. each other. It matters. And I matters think for me, that's yeah. what makes it fun because – Early on playing that game, I was just I didn't I didn't think I don't think I knew what I was doing. I mean, I was one of those guys who bought two boots, you know. So so I I was like, yes, I want more speed. I want more speed, and I didn't understand hands, it man. didn't stack. You gotta put them on your hands. <laughs> I didn't know it didn't stack right, and um I didn't read into the game. I just played it at face yeah, value. Sure, sure, sure. So, but now like um, it's changed a lot. But now when I play, like my wife is actually way better than I am at it. But I have my moments where I can do like a ten win streak and like. She's like, oh, my God, why don't you play that all the time? What's going on? I was like, <laughs> I was like I'm just focused. I don't have anything on my second monitor. Sure, I'm just sure. focused on the game, yeah, you know? Yeah. And um, and so it's crazy. And, like, you get those moments where you'll feel like, oh, it's getting repetitive. I'm buying the same build. I'm doing the same thing. But when you, I think there's understanding that I'm noticing is that when you play the game and if you can build situational based on who your other enemies are and how they're playing, that's what makes it. Yeah, like kind yeah. of fun because you're like it's not the same thing you shouldn't go into a building the exact same build every time and that's what yeah, right? no, i think that's where it's I, on a different level of playing I, I think that there is like this fail case like we actually encountered that when i was on that team at a couple different times where if if the game started to f fall into this lull where it felt like the same tactics and strategies like you could swap the characters a little bit but generally you were seeing the same stuff over and over that like the thing you just said is like starts being true where you don't come to the game and there's not like this like opportunity to sort of build new skill and new mastery then the game loses a lot of like what's fun about it like the the wanting to learn and get better and figure out like how can i do this thing in a you know be a slightly better way or or fight that character a little bit better or whatever mm -hmm. it is like try a different build like any of those sort of types of things the second that those stop being true yeah then like the game yeah it dries up a lot yeah um, but that's when that's for me that's when i go like okay well what other champs fall in the bucket of how i like to play and then you'll you'll get a whole new champ whole new way of clicking and doing their abilities they all you don't just press the buttons even i'm noticing I mean, I was told recently that you can change it, but I, even I'm noticing, like, I played Warwick recently, 
and like you have to have your mouse hovering over them before you press your buttons for it to mm-hmm. activate you can't just press it it's crazy and i'm like at first i was like why am i dying i'm strong like what's going on so you learn new mechanics you learn new ways of playing and yeah, it, it yeah. makes it feel like the game is new but i i did i was told that if you go into the settings you can actually nerf it and make it where like every time a skill shot is done it's done this way and you can make it where I it's easier to play but normal cast on for yeah. everything and you can turn quick cast on but they for said everything. there's a risk for that they were saying like one guy who plays a lot he was telling me like if you do that it may not be as accurate because you're trying to go for speed of being like i see somebody coming boom i can just go right into it instead of like dragging my mouse and yeah. then doing it because well, so it, it's an extra click exactly some of the time so yeah. it, that's it, a it, different it, style of there playing, are some characters that like i play quick cast and some that yeah. I played normal cast because there there are cases where like actually losing that like fraction of a second is mm. enough of a reason that like mm. you may not win a team fight or something yeah. so that's um, interesting. I haven't I haven't gotten to that level yet of wanting to customize anything. I think it's I find it fun to just yeah. what's new about this character. All right, I want to try to learn this character. So yeah, I, awesome. I definitely think that's the strength of of that game. I, it's interesting. Yeah. One of the things when you were you know early on in that conversation, one of the things I was I was sort of drawn to when you were comparing it to chess is I was I was curious like have you played any of like the auto battler games that have come out like for league. Well, like so, like that's actually one of them, right? Is they have uh, team by tactics, which is is great. But like, no, I have also not like tried that. I have not tried that. Auto chess and uh, Hearthstone has one out now called Battlegrounds. But it's it's just interesting. Like, it might be worth checking out because I would say like that th- they are leaning into this idea of like, you know, if you think of like the Dota style games of like mm-hmm. like League of Legends or whatnot as being like the evolution of RTSs, where mm-hmm. hey, controlling units is actually like fairly complex, like mechanically what if you controlled one unit and like that's our what it moved to it's like you no longer have to worry about like really controlling anything except for your one guy mm. this next like sort of wrinkle on that or like evolution maybe of that genre is this these like auto battlers and it's very much like uh, the first one was called auto chess literally is dota, dota auto chess mm. um, but the units they have a very simple behavior mm-hmm. and uh periodically um, and some of them, like in, in Auto Chess, they periodically cast an ability. And so all you do is you place them on the board and you level them up and whatnot. But then, like, once they're on the board, they just fight automatically. You don't control mm-hmm. them at all. See, I haven't been – I might have to check it out now that you're explaining it. I haven't been drawn to it. I've seen it on there, the TFT whatever, and I'm just like, mm. But the way you're explaining it, maybe they need to make a video or I'm something. Sure, they need to I'm make sure something. They're... They need to make something where it's like – it pulls me in a little bit more because when I see it, I'm just like, yeah, that doesn't interest me right now. I don't I, know why. There are a lot of – one thing I've – I mean, so I'm I'm a parent now, and so I found that, like, my hours of, of like, PC games – like, mm-hmm. that's why I was, like, you know, talking, like, haven't played a lot of League in a while. Yeah. It's like, it's just hard to find a couple hours to sit down and play League. Midnight to 5 a.m. works best for that. <laughs> that I am with you. Yeah. Um, I, I <laughs> but I found myself playing a lot of mobile games. Part of the reason I, yes. I sort of have found myself working on a mobile game. But – yeah. Um, one thing that's been great was like a lot of the the auto battler games they've put on mobile, and they're I think 100% as good as they are in their PC form because like because you don't control the units, like you're just placing them and making sort of strategic choices. So it's it lends really really well to that platform. So I don't know, it's it's interesting. But if you haven't checked them out, that might be the thing where like hey, yeah. if you're sitting around waiting for something to do or you know, yeah. you're watching TV at night, like that's. It's one of those games. Great, you can play it in that sort of environment. I didn't know that that was like that. I mean, I I play a lot of mobile too, but I play I like match three type games. Oh, interesting. Where the one I'm playing now is Gems of War. Uh, it's pretty cool. I don't. 
I'm not fond of the match games where you just are mindlessly breaking things by matching things and right, right. getting points. Like this one. Um, There's like a metagame or something. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. Very high. And I do a lot of the PvP and guild type stuff in it. So I, I played just enough to understand how to make up a team and then how uh, the team can complement one another and then how to get the biggest breaks. Uh, instead of it being three, I'm doing like five, seven combos. And and it's turn-based. and there's, It's not timed. Uh, you can take as much time as you want, I'm noticing in this game. Um, but you get an opportunity to think about what your move is going to do and then like chess because I, I really mm. like playing chess. You can you can think and go, well, if I do this, it does this, and, and, and that will happen. The only thing you don't know is what's going to fall down after you break stuff. That's where it becomes like kind of random and exciting. Mm -hmm. um, but but if you can see what's on the board and make a particular move that's going to do a chain reaction once on the board, anything that falls could either be really good or could be just enough where you're like connect four. You're you're blocking it where they can't do yeah. something to hurt you. Yeah. I really think they did a good job with this game on that. And like nice. and I know I'm thinking about it. I had another conversation. I'm thinking about this way too deep because it's a match three game, but. That is what my time waster is when I'm laying in bed or if yeah, I'm doing cool. whatever. It's really fun, and it's and it's and it's not overly because I used to play Clash Royale, uh, but it's not, and and the only reason why I don't play it is because I lost my account and it wasn't connected to my Google Play. Oh, and I wasted money in that game because I couldn't get it back. So I was like, no more, not doing that no more. Um, but it's a lot of fun, you know. It's a lot of fun, and I, I go through a lot of match three games, but. I haven't spent any money. I'm a, I'm a, I consider myself a whale when it comes to mobile games. Right. I will spend yeah, some money yeah. on a game uh, because I spend it because I'm having fun. Yeah. But in this game, my wife takes a different approach. She's like, I don't spend any money. So we're playing this one of these games together, and um, she just, she just overshadows me big time. She doesn't spend when you get when you get the coins or you get the things that you can just spend and get a new champ or whatever. She saves everything. She doesn't spend anything. Mm -hmm. And so she saves everything to the point where she has a thousand of these things that when you start getting that many, it's important. It changes the game because now instead of her just taking the one coin and doing a roll and being like, oh, I'm going to get a, a hero. She can do five to 10 to 15, 20 rolls. And then she's getting the rare and the ultra rare because it's like she's going through those gates that they put up. Yeah. On the back end, yeah. they'll be like, they want you to spend money. Yeah. So so I'm trying to incorporate that into how I play this game. And, dude, I'm just – I don't even need to play the game. This is what – I think this is a mechanic that, you know, they need to think about. I don't even play the game anymore. Like, I haven't even opened up any more of the map. The map is huge where you get kingdoms and stuff. You can go yeah. fight more stuff. I don't even do that anymore. I'm so high with how much gold I have and how many um, orbs and coins that I have that I'm just like – I go into PvP and I'm dominating in PvP, and I'm leveling up in PvP instead of still, instead of leveling up in the offline game. It's awesome, dude. You should check it out if That's you cool, like. Man. So, but but this is about you. Sorry, sorry. We're cool. talking about games, so I got it's a little cool. bit too. No, it's, it's cool. Um, so. So that's awesome, dude. There's a lot. There's a lot of things I don't think I knew from Riot, and I knew you were excited when you went there. I knew you were excited when you moved and stuff like that. Yeah, but, that was great. Um, it, it, that's pretty I, awesome. That's why it's weird. So like, you'll see that like I actually I left. Uh, yeah, and you went back. I think right? I went back. Yeah, so like, we'll get there. But uh, lucky man, lucky man. Oh yeah, it was cool. It was so cool. you went from Riot Games to uh, senior game designer at Blizzard. You went back to Blizzard. 
So was that like a homecoming thing for you? Like, was it like, oh, my God, I'm here again, you know? So that that's what drew me there for yeah. sure. Okay. Uh, it was kind of a weird, a weird thing. So, uh, you know, when I was younger, uh, when I was like in, in uh, college, I had applied to – to be on the balance team for StarCraft II. I okay. didn't get it. And uh, I got really nervous in the interview, and I, I think I, I I was just, like, totally not not answering questions well. And so I just, I just totally bombed it, I think. Um, wait, but, okay, wait, wait, let's go back there. So how what how is the interview for that? How does that go? Like, a lot of people um, are yeah. trying to figure out. I, I had one person on here that was like, you get a whiteboard, you got to solve these problems on the spot as a programmer, and it's crazy. Like, what? how does the interview yeah. go for, for design? design? Yeah. Uh, so I think it, it differs based on, like, who you're, like, who you're talking to. I think, like, the, the, the better interviews are ones where uh, y- you have a discussion about a topic that's testing you on your sort of uh, a bunch of different skills around like creative thinking, problem solving, um, creativity, uh, like that sort of thing. Like uh, one of the uh, one of the, the, the tests at, at, at Riot is around like designing a champion sort of from scratch and like the, the people giving the interview like sort of uh, drive down the path of like, okay, what's the what's the fantasy of the character and then like what you know so it sort of walks down that step um Mm -hmm. and and i think that but that's like one type of question right but um one of the things that you encounter a lot when you are applying for design jobs is that you often do these design tests and they usually i from what i've always seen people tend to like overly emphasize the game that the person would be working on Mm -hmm. rather than like sort of generalist design skill okay and so uh, you know, the example would be like, oh, you, you're going to work on a shooter. And so they, they ask you all sorts of questions about shooters. Um, and while that is good, like you should ask a bunch of questions about shooters, there's, they sometimes will like leave off like more, like not specific. Like they might be like, you know, tell, tell me something about like Quake 3, like very specific, like mm-hmm. zoom in question. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what like how they answer that question really doesn't show you yeah. if they're a good designer or not. Yeah. So it's sort of a stupid question. Like design tests are like I think one of the things that's very easy to do very poorly. Mm. Um, but anyway, so so yeah, I think uh, I think if you, I was going to encourage anybody to like how do you prepare? Um, one of the better exercises that somebody shared with me um, when I was at, at Riot actually um, that that he encourages like more sort of associate level designers to do is to uh, give yourself a problem to solve that's going to like challenge your, um, like some of those skills. So mm-hmm. one of the examples that he used was like, you know, take a, take a champion and m- puts them into a different role. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, make Sona into an ADC. Right. And like walk through, like how would you, mean, you do that? You mean while keeping all her stuff the same or you mean like just take the liberty uh, to change it and how would you change it? So? That Like just answer the question of like oh, okay. how would you make her an ADC, oh, okay. which is like I think some of the things you just <clears throat> ran into were some of the problems you immediately start to hit, right? Yeah. Where you go like, okay, well, what's her identity? How Like how do I keep as much of that identity as, pop, as possible yeah. while still making her into this other role? And like are there skills that if you changed, people would be like, well, now it's not Sona mm-hmm. anymore. That's like a legitimate thing to think about, right? It's like, what could you do to the skills that you keep the sort of the heart, the core of the idea, but you still change it so that it fits in the, this other role? Like mm. walking through those sorts of like problems and, and thinking through like, 
hey, I came up with three or four different answers to that problem. Like, oh, I, you know, I, I think like Sona's Q is super important to her identity. So like a, an AOE stun is the thing. It's like, but it, like, can you have an AOE stun on uh, an ADC? And you could think through like, okay, well, da, 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 like, are, does anybody do anything like that? And you might be like, oh, like Varus has yeah, something Varys, like yeah. that, right? So you're like, okay, maybe there is a version. But the, again, like it's walking down that problem set and thinking like, okay, what's something similar? And then you might get to that thing that I just got to. It's like, oh, Varus is like this. But then you're like, oh, well, if I literally do something that's just like Varus, how do I make sure it's not the same as Varus? Like, yeah. how do I keep it unique to Varus? Like, it's literally just like going through that exercise. And every time you run into one of those, like, is this a problem? Is this a thing that I should do? Like, how could I do this thing better? Whatever mm -hmm. the, the sort of um, stopping point, it encourages you to really deeply think about um, that problem set. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like, it's a really powerful exercise. And I mean, you can do that in a bunch of different contexts, right? Like, um, if you were to take like your, you know, uh, you, you, that just the idea of like changing the role of something to something else is like a really good it's pretty uh, cool. way to think about things. Like you could do the same thing with like a wow character if you yeah. want to, or, or, you know, like from an RPG or. It uh, seems like that can open up, uh, areas for you for that character of how it is now and how you can even make it stronger. Like yeah, cause that's, you're, cause you're that's kind that's of breaking it and you're like, yeah, why didn't we, why doesn't she have anything that can go against X or whatever, you know? It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's pretty neat. And the other thing is that, like, that particular example was cool in the context of League is that it also, uh, it helps you understand, like, what the uh, what the category means as well. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're talking about, um, let's use, like, uh, WoW examples or something. If you were to say, like, hey, like, you know, take take this, uh, this, this fighter, like, sort of character, like a warrior, and then you want to make them... Um, more like a rogue, mm -hmm. like understanding like what a warrior is, understanding what a rogue is, and like what are the things that are like off limits for those, so, and like what are the things that are like cool, like that's very like archetypal, like what are the reference points you could have? That might make you go like, okay, cool, like if I wanted to do that, these are the types of things I might consider. Mm -hmm. And as you do that, you gain this understanding of like the category. Mm -hmm. Then that's really powerful as well. So yeah, it's like I think is uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's like you could do a priest, a, a full-on priest in World of Warcraft, or you can do a full-on tank. There's that one class that's like a priesty tank. A paladin. Yeah, yeah paladin. There you go. Yeah. That's what it's called. It's, it's like that, right? Where you just you take two, kind of put them together. Yeah, right, 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 right. So yeah, but I, but you you might think about you know, like. There's a very like early on and maybe somebody is like design thinking, they might ask a question that like, you know, like, why doesn't this character do this other thing? Like what, you know, if you think of like, wow, you might be like, you know, why can't a priest use two handed swords? Mm. You know, like, yeah, like, why not? Like, that would be cool. Like, I would love to be a priest that could walk around and slash people with swords. But the thing that you start to like get to very right quickly is like, yeah, but if you do that, that makes the characters that do that as their specialty less special. Yeah. And, and so you're like, no longer a priest at that point. Right. No, and so it's, it's both things, right? Yeah. It's both like you make like the priest is less <clears throat> like what you expect a priest to do. Yeah. And the characters that what you expect them to do is be like the big warrior type characters like now all of a sudden, like everybody's doing the thing that they are special at. They're all of a sudden kind of generic because yeah. so, yeah, there's a lot of like sort of interesting thoughts you can, you can do and you just like dig into, it's like challenging yourself with sort of these design problems to like yeah. sort of just think about. 
Uh, yeah, there's a new game, uh, GTFO. I started playing. It's pretty fun. Um, and I think they're doing exactly what you're talking about, where they're abandoning the class, where you start as a class, and you mm. can you can build your loadout however you want. That's cool. um, everyone has access to all the loadout options, but you need the team to be diverse because it's a four-player co-op. Oh, okay. So you need everyone to kind of be different, but you can all be the same. But mm -hmm. you know, it will make it more difficult, or you know. So yep. That's pretty cool. I, th I think um, if this is successful, because it just came out like a couple of days ago, I think if that's successful, it could actually change how things are because you're no longer limiting people to a class and saying you can only wear the green things, you can only wear the purple things, you can only wear the, you can now say like you can mix and match it however you want. But and I think what that does is it offers up more replayability because you now can you know much much like in League or WoW when you can build your armor set for a particular. Uh, mode of play that you're going to play that night you can go well i would like a pistol a shotgun uh, a shotgun turret and uh, some kind of crazy melee or i can be like i want a long range long range rifle i want uh, a heavy machine gun like you you know you can mm. put whatever you want in those slots have and you now played, like path of exile i'm just curious if... i have played that before with someone but that's it's a, that's a little different than isometric that's the isometric game right Oh, it's like a Diablo sort of yeah. style. Like, yeah. it's just they have a this very, one's first person. They have a very interesting skill tree sort of yeah. system where where you can customize in pretty elaborate. Well, ways. see, this one's not a tree though. That's the thing. Like, mm -hmm. it's like you get four slots, and then you when you click on the slot, here's all your options. Put whatever you want in there from from this box and so on. And so that's why I'd like it's kind of different. It's almost like a Alien Swarm a little bit. Did oh. you play that? No. Um. That's on Steam, but it's like Alien Swarm a little bit, but it's it's an Alien Swarm. You, someone had to be a technician, someone had to be a gunner, someone had to be a healer, mm. and so on. So you I were in I've these seen, classes. I think I've but, seen that game. I yeah, but in this in GTFO, you can be whatever. Like when when the health pack, you find the health packs in the world, and so you can hold onto a health pack, and that's one of your utilities. Or you can be like, ah, I'm gonna take my tool set because if my turret gets, if I drop down my turret, I can fix my turret. Mm. You don't have to be like engineer, get over here, fix this turret. You know, right? It's right. pretty cool. It's different. That's cool. Yeah, that's it's cool. different. So, but yeah, uh, I think a, like a you, a system like that would re almost require you to have some pretty significant trade offs, and like mm -hmm. I think having a like a limited, uh, limited number of slots yeah, helps slots. helps yep. a lot with yeah. that actually. Yeah, you can only carry certain things right. or a certain amount of things. Um, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool. So, uh, senior game designer, that's awesome, dude. And you went okay. So now you go back to Riot. You went back to Riot. Um, map and modes lead now, totally different title <laughs> once again um yeah, yeah map to modes lead. okay so i play what league of legends or what riot puts out so is this when is this when you guys were doing like um the other maps like twisted tree and um aram and stuff like that is that when all these things started to come online you know yeah type so, of stuff, so there was so like while i was working on 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 the the update sr there was this like sort of like small scrappy side team mm -hmm. um, and they started making game modes so like they made uh legend of the poro king and uh, oh you mean like those weekend type things yeah i remember those so, was so they made a bunch happening. of them at the time they called them featured game modes and uh that little like scrappy team, like they did a bunch of really cool modes. And what they uh, eventually landed on was like, hey, we really like having these modes. They're not a thing you'd want to like leave up indefinitely. Like making them special mm -hmm. is part of like 
why that's compelling. Like if it was on all seasonal the time, holiday, then people stuff. get bored. So if you look yeah. at like Twisted Tree Line, for example, yeah. or um, Dominion, and was they took that one, away, is that they actually had to like turn, yeah, we had to turn them off because they actually had like such low play mm. rates. But every time we would change things, it would cause bugs and crashes and all sorts mm. of stuff that we'd have to fix. But like nobody was playing. I don't want to say nobody, but yeah. very small population of people were playing. We had a diehard group of people, but it was pretty small compared to the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And when we were looking at like, okay, we want to make new content, new maps, new modes, whatever. It was like, okay, we're spending, let's say, a week out of every two weeks just fixing these bugs, gotcha. right? And so at some point, we decided to just like shut those down. But the the... Anyway, that team, they started working on these side game modes. And instead, if you just turn them on for two weeks at a time, then you can build them in such a way that they're a little bit more like they're easy, more easy to support. Right. Because you could make sure that they're bug, you know, bug fixed and everything for that release. It's on for the two weeks. And then when the patch comes out, it goes away. Yeah. And so it's a good way of testing features, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, So so that that was like a thing. And when. Uh, when I went back to to Riot, um, they that was like one of the teams that they needed um, somebody to go like sort of like lead that team um, that was doing game modes, and the the thing was is like at the same time there was sort of this other side initiative that was happening on the other half of the game that makes like skins and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, There's this idea of like well we'd really like to have we have these thematics so rather than doing hey I'm just gonna have you know. Uh, some, some random hodgepodge of skins like no no no. we're gonna have like halloween we're gonna make halloween mm-hmm. skins or like we uh gonna star guardians are gonna be just star guardians and what we noticed was like that group th- those are very popular with players like they would sell really well and and they resonated a lot with players and people like were really into it mm-hmm. so um when i joined that team i did a lot of like sort of searching around like well wouldn't it be cool if we could shift like w- how you think about these modes to being much more like events. Hmm. Um, and I okay. partnered with another uh, sort of product leader um, at um, on, on the dev team, and we we sort of fostered that within the, like, one of the initiatives. Like, there's these big initiatives on League of Legends, and, like, one of the initiatives we, like, built out the ability to make events um, as a thing. And the sort of the cornerstone piece of that was these game modes. And the whole idea was, is, like... Um, I got really into this idea of sort of making end-to-end uh, products. So, so you think of it like uh, in the past they would have made a, a mode. It looks like Summoner's Rift, and the rules are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But like other than that, like there's there's it's it's just a different it's just a different spin on what you're already used to. Yeah. I wanted to be like no no no, no. like let's fundamentally make new <laughs> games in League of Legends, mm-hmm. and I want them to have like custom music and yeah. like brand new maps and like a totally different core experience that when you go it's like hey like sh- we're, we're gonna do bold stuff like some people might not like it like some people are like hey i'd rather just go play ranked and i was always like cool then go play ranked right but but for like a subset it's like we're gonna we're gonna entertain you right like yeah. we're gonna have something cool that you can be excited <laughs> that like new stuff is showing up in in league yeah. so we made a handful like we made um sort of mini game called uh dark star singularity um which is sort of like this uh uh, sort of our version of um, uh, Hook Wars, which mm-hmm. is like an old custom game where you can like pull pull units ar- across the map, and mm-hmm. it's kind of bonkers. Like what Urgot does, anyway, right? Uh, it's sort of like that, yeah. Um, like Thresh it was like the main uh, character okay. of it, actually. Okay. Um, 
fight with a hook. Like literally, yeah, yeah. it was like thresh mode, right? Um, we made like uh, we made a couple different modes that were uh, PvP, but like like I said, they were like these mini games, like Mario Party or something. Yeah, but yeah. League of Legends. Um, but all of them had themes and music, and um, they're cool. They they were do the same cool. ones. I mean, my wife was telling me about them. Are the same ones like I think you guys took? Oh, what's the guy's name? That throws the bombs, little rat looking dude. Oh, Ziggs. Yeah, Zig. Like everyone, you get unlimited. So everybody gets the same character is one version that I think you guys had out, and then everybody it gets unlimited uh, mana. Yeah, one for all. And cool. then once you have unlimited mana, you could just. She said that's just bonkers. Like that's just so crazy. Game. So, so, so that was one of the things. So there were some of these modes that were made. Like I said before, I joined the team. One of them was this mode, uh, Ultra Rapid Fire. Okay. Which is like the most uh, sort of. Ex- most successful game mode that that team has ever made, I hmm. believe, by almost any metric. It's like yeah. it's crazy popular. Like when we would turn it on, like more people would play that than would play ranked or normal. Or wow. like it was just crazy popular. Yeah, um, super fun. Um, one of the things that was uh, it's cool about it is that like the sort of the skill cap is higher on that mode than the mm-hmm. normal mode because mm-hmm. you can push buttons faster and you have unlimited mana, so yeah. you can just spam stuff and it's bonkers. Um, some of the characters like they weren't meant to have that sort of twitch like they already are a high twitch character and then yeah. you're like what if we made it you know like 5x that oh my god it's gosh. like everybody's so, playing on god mode when you yeah, do that sort of, and right. you're like oh it's crazy but it, one of the things that's cool one of the things i always thought was really fun about it was that mode in particular right from the first second of the game you're playing like you immediately walk out before minions spawn or anything mm-hmm. and you're throwing bombs at each other and like yeah. whatever, because like you you have unlimited mana you don't have to yeah. worry about that so like you just are immediately fighting. Like that's yeah. always been like one thing. It's cool to jump right into the action. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, but yeah. So there's a bunch of different modes. Um, and so after we, uh, one of the things that I was trying to do on that team was sort of build out the capabilities of the team. We were this tiny little team of like ten people, but we were like making games. Like yeah, they just awesome. happened to be within league. And when we first started, like I had worked on Summoner's Rift, and I had a couple of the artists that had worked on that with me mm-hmm. on that team with um, on this maps team. Um, and the idea of doing uh, new maps was like pretty scary because mm-hmm. like that project had been like a 19 month project. It was 60 people. Like it was this whole thing. So this idea of like, let's make a new map and I've got like four people to yeah. work on it was like, this is insane. You know, yeah. like this isn't, this is bonkers. But um, uh, like all the credit to them, like we started small and we just like tried, you know, try to build what we could and, be scra- as scrappy as possible and over the next year or so like they built up the muscle so that like we eventually made the first uh first pve mode that had ever been made which was actually like a multi-room sort of like diablo-esque mm-hmm. style game um that was based on the star guardian mm. um thematic and people really liked that a lot and so then like the last project i actually worked on after like another handful of smaller modes the next like big project like the last thing was this odyssey mode where we actually had like progression and it was like a pve mode but Mm. it was still limited to a small subset of characters but it was the same thing of like hey like we're gonna keep building it out and it was actually really cool to like after that was like the last thing i worked on and then like about i don't know like it was like eight months later or something they shipped tft Mm. and it was like largely that team Mm -hmm. and i was super like proud of them to like see that like it was this building block thing and uh you know when they finally like sort of vultureon in the right way like they made the coolest thing they've made to date and they've been super successful and stuff so and it's like it's cool like look back and see a bunch of people i worked with like being core to that and being like oh yeah you guys you guys are rock stars so that's pretty cool um, it's awesome that's awesome dude 
So two years and five months. Uh, wait, we went. Uh, I think we skipped uh, the date. Uh, you went back and you did a certification scrum in 2013. Yeah. Uh, Rocket Nine Solutions Scrum Alliance. What? What was this? What? What is Scrum? Ah. What yeah. Is, what is what Scrum? Is scrum. Yes. Um, so uh, part of that was that like I had heard. Well, I'll answer your question first. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll explore why I did it. So Scrum, uh, it's just sort of like a work system. Um, there's there's like an umbrella to that, which uh, most people describe as like agile, like um, agile like methodology. But but basically the idea is uh, working on like sort of smaller teams where you have like cross functionality. You'll have a bunch of experts at different disciplines, and you just like throw them at a problem, and they they iterate on that problem until they solve it. And um, the thing with Scrum in particular is you're trying to have sort of like a constant delivery. So rather than maybe like a, a more traditional style of development, uh, you you might be like, cool, we have a six month milestone that we're gonna work towards. And you have producers that will make Gantt charts and figure out like, okay, we have to do this stuff in this order. And you're always wrong 100% of the time, but they always like work towards that, right? Um, as best you can. And uh, Scrum instead is like, okay, uh, what are the highest priority things? Let's Let's aim at those things and we're gonna do a short iteration of a week or two weeks or something. Um, and we're going to work towards solving those problems. And then we'll, re at, at the end of that cycle, we'll reevaluate and see what's the next group of problems that are at the top of the list. We'll tackle those. And you just constantly do that and do that and do that until you feel like the thing is good enough to ship or you run out of time, which mm -hmm. <laughs> the, yeah, the, yeah. it's always a balance between those things, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's basically just like sort of a, an approach to work. Um, there's a bunch of people who could probably do a much better job of explaining it than I just did, but um, but yeah. But so that's that's the gist of it. Um, so what was this? So what was the certification like? Um, was it a? It was a. What, I don't know. Is that a year? Or was that a few no, months? It, or it was just. It was a. I think it was a couple of weeks. It so was, was it a test? Class. Did you go take a class and then you had to just show class. It was how like competent you are. Okay. Um, for, I want to say it was like a week or two. It wasn't. It wasn't like crazy long or anything. But the thing about it was is that I had, I had just heard of that like idea. Well, it popped onto the thing. scene into the gaming industry. I think it was from another field, but yeah, then it got adopted to more general tech. Yeah. So then it got adopted to the game industry, and then everyone was using it. And yeah. so it's one of those things where it was like. I think you know programs like this probably came up just like how you can get Microsoft certified. Yeah. You know, um, it probably just promotes you more when you can put on your resume and talk to people. Yep. Like, oh yeah, I know how to do scrum. You're like, whoa, we're, we're starting to use scrum. Can you help us? The, so yeah. that was the thing that I, like the reason that like I, I did that at the time was that there were a handful of jobs that like they mentioned that in their job uh, posting. Yeah, what that, they're looking like, specifically, for. Specifically, like that's a thing that they valued. Okay. Um, and so at the time, I want to say it was like $1,000 or something. <clears throat> um, but I was like, I was... Uh, I was looking for like you know positions in the industry or whatever, and so I was just looking for like okay, that's not that crazy of a price to like make myself a little bit more marketable. So, so here's the question: uh, Is um, do you feel because I think that's important for people to know that probably are in school or probably yeah. have opportunity to do things like this? Do you feel like going outside of work and being like, yo, no, you know, I want to get certified in in this? Was it beneficial? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, I think that's totally worth doing. Uh, the the thing that 
so that super high level version of that is like if you're not continuing to like learn and grow and improve like uh, like i don't like pick a different industry or yeah. something yeah. you know like you will be like, dated soon <laughs> you will be dated soon no, i mean that's the the biggest thing is like yeah i think i think one of the things that if you were said you wanted to make games like i would say like one of the the best uh, i don't even want to say talent because it's more like things that you enjoy like it's like likes is learning because if you enjoy like learning things yeah. like it's a pretty good industry because yeah. there's always some like update to something that you need to learn and figure out and go on YouTube and try to figure out or go on Google and do a bunch of searches and find some nice forum somewhere where people are explaining how the hell to do that thing. Yeah. Like, uh, so yeah, but, but I mean, I think there's a lot of different opportunities to, to learn things. I mean, like now, especially is like, I did a, a handful of like about a year ago, I did like three different Udemy classes that were all like oh, nice. yeah. 13 bucks. Yeah. And like I learned, I learned Unity. I did like a C one for Unreal. And it's just like, it's crazy. Like you can go for like $13 and have like these like college level, like some of the best courses I've ever taken in my life. And they're like 13 bucks. Yeah. And it's like, it's insane. Yeah, the uh, online schooling is really blown up right now. It's really cool. Yeah. And, and, like, there was nothing like that when I was coming up. So, like, now it's, like, insane. Like, there's so much fun, too. Like, that was what I was I was enjoying. It's, like, there's these classes you can take where they're, like, just make a bunch of, like, your own, like, like really simplistic games. But, yeah. like, you just follow along and, like, at the end of it, you're, like, hey, I made, like, seven or eight games that, like, I've been, like, noodling around with. And then the the – coolest version of that is then being able to take those and being like well what if i try to add like i didn't have a health bar let's see if i could figure out how to add a health bar to this and like have no idea what i'm doing and like you know you cobble something together that kind of works and you're like i'm a god because i've just built this thing out of nothing you know yeah. it's like it's so cool so i definitely think that there's yeah there's a lot of fun to that but um seeking that out is really yeah you got to do that that's awesome dude that's awesome so Let's go back. Uh, so Maps and Mosley, you went from Maps and Mosley to where you are now. Yeah. Um, so what we didn't do that I like to do is do like a retrospective. I like to earlier when I was doing interviews with people, it would it would be like on every position change of like yeah, yeah, retrospective. Yeah. So now that we've already gone through uh, what you've accomplished, where you are now. What are some of the things when you think back that, you know, it's not about changing your past, but it's about helping to inform people who may be in the early years where uh -huh. they're not working yet. Um, maybe they still have opportunity to take a class or change their mind on something to better themselves for success. What are some of the things that you can think back and go, hmm, if you're looking at going into design, uh, you've done like combat level mm -hmm. world. You've done yeah, almost all stuff. aspects of design. What are some of the things that um, you would let the enthusiast, the student, or the person looking to get into design, what would you let them know? Um, what should they do? How should they be preparing? Like this is probably a long question, but and we can answer it and talk yeah, about it in different yeah. different ways. But what are some of the things, if you look back at what you've learned, if you had X, would it have been better? If you, you know, did that certification earlier, would it have been better? Would you, if you've done more mm. certifications, would it be better? You know, like stuff like that. Um, 
Yeah, it's a long. That's a that's a that's a that's a that's a lot in that question. Yes, a chunky one. But we can start to chip at it because I think it's important because. You know, all a lot of times, I'm what I'm seeing is I'm getting feedback from these videos of people being like, "Oh my God, you've inspired me to continue doing what I'm doing. This is so awesome. I haven't, you know, haven't seen anybody who does what I'm going into, and so this is awesome to see." Uh-huh. So I just think it's important if we can like kind of discuss it a little bit of like, yeah, some of the things that, like you just said, Udemy is like, you if you have a small budget something you want to go into or maybe you just want to learn something, there are places you can go online where mm-hmm. you can you know take a class and then. I think the gem of it is continuing to progress after you've done the 40 minute course or whatever it is and then learning more and being creative without having that guy to tell you press one, press two, press three, but you now doing it on your own. Yeah. So, um, I think, I, I think the biggest sort of thing is, is like, it's it's gonna sound sort of like duh, but but it's like like just make stuff. Yeah. Like I actually think like that's the the number the number one thing is that uh, I think people have this thought that like even if like you may be super talented and like whatever, but like the when you start out at anything, you're not gonna be great at it. And I think like people use that as an excuse of like they run into a stumbling block or they don't know how to do something yet as like a reason to like like. When they do it, they want it to be incredible. And so, like, that's an excuse to, like, not do it. And instead, it's like I would have the opposite mentality, which is, like, what's the crappiest possible idea you have? Like, what's the worst idea? Like, go build that and build it as fast as you can. And, like, after you're done, like, throw it out and then do another thing. And just keep doing that as long as you can. Um, Because I I actually think, like, the the thing is, is that there's stuff today that that I – don't think I'm very good at, you know, and like I've worked on a bunch of games now and there's some things that I used to not be any good at. And at some point, like I picked up that skill and I'm like, Hey, I'm actually pretty good at that thing. Right. Um, and I, so I think, but like the, the way that that happened was just taking shots, like just trying it. Like, like there was, I mean, it's interesting. It's like one of the games that we worked on together, right? Was was Firefall. There was a bunch of stuff where, like, at some point, somebody decided they wanted to, like the game to become a crafting game, mm-hmm. and I took a bunch of swings at like trying to build a crafting game with having no idea how to do that at all, and and like th- there was a bunch of limitations that like we were dealing with for sure. But like I think back now, and I'm like, holy crap, how I'd ap- approach that differently, like like how much I've grown in terms of how I think about games. Mm-hmm. It's just like it, implementation it, stuff, right? It, it's implementation, but it's, it's even just like approach, like having, having clear goals mm. and being okay with doing a little bit at a time. Mm. Like, like that's like, that's why that mentality of like, just start making stuff. Like I could tell you like a failure story that I think is maybe like, maybe, uh, Depression. So I talked about earlier, like there was a, a job at Blizzard that I applied for, which was mm-hmm. like this balance designer. So I didn't get that, but they liked me and they were like, hey, why don't you uh, apply to be a level designer? Hmm. Um, I had actually, when I had worked on Ward 3, I made a couple of the multiplayer maps that were actually in the game, um, one of which had been pretty popular. And so they were like, oh, maybe you could be one of our map guys, right? And one of the things for the submission for that was you had to make a game using the map editor. Well, I had already made a bunch of like the beginnings of a whole bunch of games, 
But one of the things is I got super caught up on the details. And so I've designed a game. I spent weeks working out like the, the actual, like what I wanted it to be. And I started obsessing over stupid things. Like I, I wanted the tool tips to have different color codes so that they look like look different. And so like all the abilities, whatever, eventually like it had been like two months and I hadn't submitted anything. So I eventually like, you know, uh, decided like, okay, that had been sort of too long. And like, it probably was past the time. So I just emailed them back being like, Hey, sorry, but like, I'm not done yet. And like, I feel like maybe like this is a sign that this isn't the right fit or whatever. But then like looking back at it now is like, I was doing the right thing, which is like, I worked like night and day on that thing, mm-hmm. but I was just prioritizing the wrong problems. Mm-hmm. Like the things that didn't matter very much, I was spending tons of time on, and I didn't actually just get the game playable, right. like in the first day, which is like, like a no brainer now. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, like I was somebody who hadn't really made any games before. Gotcha. Um, I think like the mistake that I made there was like, you, I didn't, I didn't get, make the smallest bad thing, right? It's like make, because if, if you start out- It's with, like fail often. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, I think if you start out with a thing, and even if it's not great, you can look at it and be like, well, what would make this better? Oh, if I change this thing and I added this, okay, let's do that. And as long as you do it that way, it's always very bite-sized. It's always very easy to approach it. It's where it gets scary is when you look at the whole thing and you want to build this big monolithic thing and you're like, where do I start? I guess You I'll take too start... many steps back, you start walking away from the whole idea. No, no exactly. It's like you go like, I don't know where to start. I guess I'll start here. You probably choose wrong. But if you're trying to like build this whole thing at once, it's very easy for it to sort of never get there. Um, and so now, I mean, I think I have the, like my sort of style of design is almost the exact opposite, which is like, I'll get an idea and I'll just immediately jump in and start making stuff. Mm-hmm. And very quickly, I'll, I'll, I'll learn that the first ones that I made are terrible for various mm-hmm. reasons, mm-hmm. but I now have stuff to compare them to, and I have mm-hmm. like a footing, and I can, and I've already thought of the things I would need to make that better. So I can go to an engineer and be like, "Hey, there's some limitation. Like, unlock me here because I want to be able to do these types of things." Like, mm-hmm. it immediately opens up a bunch of sort of pathways to succeed. And so, what I found now is that like it's more about that iteration loop. It's like. How do I make the iteration loop as rapid as possible? And don't worry a ton about having the perfect idea and like having the best design and like, you know, concept. It's like, I've been in discussions about design stuff for like two hours. And at the end of it, we all walk up being like, what the hell did we just talk about? You're like, yeah. did anybody take notes? <laughs> I, honestly, like that happens all the time, yeah. especially designers. Cause I think we love talking. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, but I think like in, instead, if you just jump in and start making stuff, by the you know, by the time it, somebody might have said like, "Hey, that thing isn't going to work." Whatever the thing that they're not accounting for is like, you might try that; it might not work, but it might inspire you to do five other things that do work. Mm-hmm. And so, like some of the time, it's worth just jumping in and trying. Um, and yeah, I mean, like there's a whole feature in the game that I'm working on now where we we. Uh, we had this this concept of like okay there's npcs you can go fight npcs and it's just basically you you play against an ai opponent that's mm-hmm. the gist of it we talked about like okay well we wanted to have some more interesting pve content in the game so like a group of sort of designers got together and we came up with this idea well okay what if we put a bunch of npcs together and you fight them mm-hmm. so we had that and that was working and it was but it wasn't very interesting it's like okay go fight a bunch of npcs and like mm-hmm. you just beat them and whatever but then like me and one of the other designers sort of like powwowing more about like, what if we made this more like a dungeon 
and you've got like we make special if you play like clash royale like mm-hmm. special room layouts mm-hmm. well we had the tech to make room layouts but nobody had ever really used it so i just went in and started making room layouts and now like in the game we have something like 50 different room layouts that mm-hmm. are like different towers and walls and mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. and it ends up being like this whole like little mini game and we put them together in these these like sort of dungeons and with escalating difficulty and like randomized so semi randomized cards mm-hmm. and like it ends up being this whole like little mini game mm. and like each step along the way like i didn't know where we were going to get to yeah but like it was very easy to go like well what if we tried this and then once it worked you go like oh that's actually cool yeah let's do a lot more mm. like the layouts thing is a perfect example like where we had couple layouts i tried it and people responded like oh wow this is really cool and so i just started adding more and adding more and adding more and like when i looked up at some point i was like wow i've got like 40 of these things that's crazy so i think i think there is something yeah it's just like don't don't worry about solving the whole thing and and just getting there and start making stuff are you able to say um are you able to say what what engine you guys are using or no you are Yeah. yeah i think so i hope so yeah (laughs) <laughs> I'm not, i don't plan on editing this but just yeah, let me know fine. i i think it's fine um, um I, we we have a bunch of like internal stuff too so it's like it's unity with that yeah yeah, yeah. so i yeah that's cool that's cool i think there's a lot of good gems here's another question i have for you since you have a breath of uh experience how does it feel development wise going from console pc to going to mobile development right now um, maybe I'll, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of answer your question and maybe, okay. then maybe I'll answer for real. I don't know. Okay. Um, so, so there's sort of, there's two parts to it. So one thing is, uh, by the end of my time at, at Riot, there was a, there's like so many people that are there that are really cool, but the scale they operate at, it's it, scary. it means certain things yeah. about the way you develop games. And that element I was talking about earlier where it's like, hey, if you if you want to grow in a certain way or you want to learn a new thing or you uh, are interested in some niche little thing and you want to get involved in it, when you're at a startup, you just go like, hey, I want to do that. And like usually people will be like, cool. Yeah, you make yourself available. Everybody needs help. Everybody's shorthanded. Yeah. Like do it. And I think uh, one of the elements that was really missing for me was the ability to do that. Like mm. wanting to just be like, hey, it would be cool if like, yeah, I worked on this crazy whatever, and like there wasn't a ton of opportunity to do that. And that's because they already have a person that does it, right? For everything. Yeah, yeah, and it's, and usually they have people who are way more experienced and talented at that thing, and it's not a bad thing. Like it's actually really like that's a luxury that most companies don't have, right? But it means I think it's actually like bad on sort of two fronts. It's like one is the people who do that thing like they're sort of like the bottleneck a lot of the time it's like you can't um, it's like you can't tell them what to do they're like hey this is what i do no yeah what right you, yeah like that so was well, it, weird but like it's bad in this case of like okay we need to do ui at the company i'm at now i would just mock something up and like throw it to the ui artist to like finesse and make better mm-hmm. but like the gist of it like i would give you a block out and like I'm not a UI designer by trade, but it's like, I'm not going to like wait for somebody else. Yeah. I'm just going to do it because yeah. we've got like you one know what you want. UI guy. And so like, yeah. if, if I, if everybody waited for that guy, we would never get anything done. Yeah. I think at, at Riot, they have many UI people, but uh, the problem is, is like, it still needs to go through them. And so you end up being like, oh, well, instead of like me mocking up UI, 
instead it's like well we have to wait until that person can do it because like they are, they are the experts at that thing um and it also like the, the other negative is then if you are that person that you're kind of limited to the types of products you get to do mm-hmm. which is some ways kind of boring right it's like if i'm the ui guy or the systems guy or whatever it's like for example it's like a champion designer champion designer might work on three champions in three years mm. like that's you mean you mean like fully fleshing them out from finish to end or you mean yeah, just like that like general? that's all they do like oh, they don't wow. do anything else they work on three champions i didn't know it was that for like that crazy that in depth for like that long and because yeah. like a cycle is just really i mean they make really high quality champions and like the yeah. reason is because they do that yeah. but the alternative of that is like when i look at like what i've done in my career like i've worked on so many different things and like that would actually not be what i'd want to do like that that's too limiting. Yeah, you're like a, a cog in the wheel at that point. Because yeah, you're like, oh, bit, just a little bit. You just need to turn 30 degrees and pass it along. <laughs> just yeah, keep yeah. going. Uh, so, so like to so part of my interest with with Fox actually is that uh, they still have their sort of startup mentality. They're they're coming off of like a hit with with Strike Force, um, mm-hmm. which is like a pretty it's cool. Like Marvel, I don't know if you've seen Marvel Strike Force, but it's mm-hmm. it's sort of like a battler where you you have. Um, uh, characters and you have like all the different superheroes and they can like fight other superheroes mm-hmm. and you can build them up and then get stronger and stuff. It's a pretty cool game. Um, but like they have a bit of a hit there. It's like that Marvel Alliance, like the Marvel Alliance type game that came out a while ago, right? Maybe. Similar. I don't know. It's, it's, it's like an uh, arena. You just fighting, 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 fighting. But it's sort of like um, if you've played uh, Galaxy of Heroes, it's like the Star okay. Wars mm-hmm. um, sort of similar game. But, but anyway, um, they have that game, but I think they're still in this like early stages where we're like under like 200 people. And so it's still, it still feels like a startup. We're yeah. still scrappy. We're still like figuring stuff out. And yeah. I think like you still have that capability of like, Hey, we need somebody to help out with blah. And if you're interested in it, like go for it, like go help out. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's one of the big draws for me. The other one was when I was at Riot, I was very much in like management. Like I was very much in like, leading teams and like i still was doing some amount of like sort of creative leadership where like hey like the shape of the products we're going to work on are x or the uh here's some of the features here are some of like the goals and like the uh some of the specific elements a little bit but a lot of that like i was sort of having to uh delegate Mm -hmm all the fun stuff basically, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. It was like making the game. And so that was the other part for me is like, I really wanted to like go like make games again where like mm-hmm. I'm actually like in there scripting stuff. And yeah. I'm actually like- Doing the work. Yeah. And yeah. and so, that, so that's a big thing. So like, even though like I have like lead in my title or whatever, I guess, like it's like me and one other designer yeah. on the design. Like that's the design team for combat. It's just the two of us, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so we just, all the stuff- Somebody's got to lead the way. We <laughs> do it, you know? Like that's we funny. just, we do it. So that's why it's cool. And like, like I'm literally like the only person that does the AI. So like mm. if anybody doesn't like the AI, sorry, it's not no. my fault. That's <laughs> totally my fault. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but like that's cool. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like you you like make a whole system and build it up from like nothing to a thing, and it's fun. And you're yeah. like, that's awesome. So yeah. super rewarding. So, um, but so okay. So that didn't exactly answer your question though. So <laughs> so those th- those are two of the reasons I met Fox, which is like I think they've given me like the opportunity to do those things okay. in an environment that's really fun and do things you enjoy. And and I, they're also they're really supportive and a great group of people, especially the leadership team is. Really that's good. good. So that's, that's cool. Good. Um, 
but mobile. So yeah. the thing that I feel like has changed, there was this period of time where I was like PC master race for sure. Like, yeah. like all the games is what we should do. And like, like I think Riot for a long time as well had that mentality. And I think what shifted is like, as I've gotten older, I'm noticing like my time is much more valuable. Yeah. And I just don't have like the time to play the types of games I did when I was growing up. Mm. Um, like, you know, things like an RPG that you could play, you know, play, play like 50 hours or mm -hmm, something. Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. I hear about like colleagues or whatever playing like Zelda or, or the most recent Final Fantasy or something, I'm like, yeah. man, I loved those games growing up. I mean, I loved them. I played them yeah. so much, but I'm like, I would never, yeah. I would never even sign up for that. Cause, cause I know I'm going to get like three hours in and be like, having to put it down for two weeks and when I pick it back I'm like what the hell was yeah, I doing how, in this what game? is this buttons I don't understand and how to play I'll this start game. over yeah. and yeah. it's just like yeah. like I literally like the last couple of mass effects like that was what I, I got like a couple mm -hmm. hours in put them down for like a week came back and was like what am I doing again yeah. I don't know what's going on so um, yeah so I think that's shifted I think at the same time um, a, another thing is happening in mobile which is uh, I think AAA is actually starting to get there. Like there was a time when mobile games were sort of like not really. aside. They were they were literally an afterthought. They were just like, hey, you everyone has you have a phone. Everyone has a phone. You want to play a game on that phone? Yeah. Right. And it was just like, here's the game, and you're like, oh, why can't this be better? Uh, and, you know? and I think one of the biggest things has been the limitation on. Uh, the actual input, right? Yeah. Like the input on a phone is just not what it is on a console. It's not what it is on a PC. Like you can't like just the way you control things. Like every game, it's like a driving game where I have to do this. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. like just shoot me. It's horrible. I think touch is ch paving the way and changing that. I mean, people are can touch on their computers now, but which is a glorified yeah. large yeah, cell phone. Right, but sure, sure, sure. I think touch when you put the joysticks on there, it's like you're doing something wrong. Because, you know, you'll see a lot of games where they'll put, like, the twin sticks on the phone, and now your thumbs are eating up most of the space. And Yeah. Um, so but there's sad. a lot of games where if they can get the touch right, the swipes and yeah. the presses, well, that's it, what makes it unique. It's to understand, like, what the what the control works well in that environment. There's this game called Archero that I think it just got Game of the Year from, mm -hmm. from somebody. But, like, I can't think of which, which uh, outlet. But but basically, like, very, very good game, like, on mm -hmm. mobile. Like, it's got uh, – but ba basically what it is is, like, an action RPG, but the only input is a D-pad. Mm. There literally is no attack button. Mm. It's just – So you just when, sit in there like – So you go, and when you let go, you attack. Mm. So you move to a spot like a – but the actual – the gameplay is pretty fun. It's pretty yeah. compelling. But it, it fits well with that device. Mm -hmm. And, like – it's sort of like a mini roguelike each time you play. Mm. So there's a lot of like replayability right. factored into it. And it's fun. It's a progression game and it's pretty compelling actually. But like to me, it's leaning into, hey, like we're actually going to make this thing work well. Um, I don't know if you uh, have seen like uh, what's it called Arena of Valor or like, one, or like Mobile Legends, but like any of the MOBAs that are on phones. Oh, uh, you're talking about the one that. Uh, super something. What were, what were they called? Vainglory. You mean like Vainglory? So Vainglory was like the, one of the first ones. And that's, that was actually going to be my point. So yeah. Vainglory, when they released, they made this whole thing of like, oh, we designed it for phones. But what's interesting is... I play a lot of that game. Oh, yeah. And I got a lot of people that's to cool. two play it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, the thing that's interesting, though, is that like if you look at after them, like Mobile Legends and Arena of Valor, um, which like Arena of Valor is King of Glory, which is like... Mm -hmm basically before Fortnite was like the biggest game in the world. Mm -hmm. like it was much mm -hmm. larger than League of Legends mm -hmm. was. Um, 
and it's just a mobile. It's basically like a mobile League of Legends clone. Is mm. Yeah, essentially yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, but they had a D pad. Like that's the big innovation that they added is that they have a D pad, and that's how you control your character is a mm. D pad. But it's a very easy to use D pad. Like it it tracks your thumb. So if your mm-hmm. if your thumb moves out of the area, it like follows it. It's just very easy. Is it to an use. is it an invisible D pad or is it like a tangible not tangible, but is it like a, yeah, it's invi- a UI it's, interface it's, of like oh you got to put your thumb here. And it's on it. top. It's uh-huh. like a yeah like a like a extra layer on top of the game that basically. Oh, okay. So so yeah, it's visible basically, and oh, it just shows up like it's like a line element oh, okay. that's like translucent or whatever. Oh, hi. Um, but but basically it's that, and then they also made all these other improvements. I I would call them improvements where they like shortened the game length, and they did like things like you can buy anywhere, and there's like a really simple mm. interface that like an icon pops up, and you double tap it, and you just buy. And so yeah. they came up with these things that are like, okay, we're gonna make this game, but we're thinking about it in the context of like a phone. Yeah. And before that, like if you talked about a game like League. Like comparing League to these, like that, like Vainglory, yeah. people used to be like, oh, yeah, but like Vainglory is the crappy version of, of League. It's a totally different and type of game. I, that being said, Vainglory is a great game. Like, I'm not yeah. trying to take anything away yeah. from it. I'm just saying, like, that's what sort of in circles that I would run it, that's what people would yeah, say. Yeah, that was the initial, because when it came out, you're like, oh, why didn't League do something like this? And that da, 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 is what I was hearing from people. Yeah, but yeah. right. But I, I do think, like, what happened was, is like, with some of these innovations that happened, the, like, these games are now like action games that are mm-hmm. super fun mm-hmm. and they're on mobile mm-hmm. um, and they work with the like the actual like interface really well. Um, so I think like, and, and the other thing is, is that the cost because of things like unity has gotten right. a lot lower. So you're yeah. also seeing people able to make really high quality, like they spend that money in other places now. And so you have like really cool art that's getting generated and that, also, the hardware can actually use that really beautiful art, mm-hmm. right? So there's a bunch of, like, it's a confluence of a bunch of things that are happening in mobile. Um, additionally, I think about two years ago, I want to say, mobile eclipsed all other games in terms of revenue generation. So uh, if you were going to predict where games are going, it's mobile. Um, and so, Which mean where they've already went. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. Like, but I mean, even where they're going, it's like year over year, they're growing. The industry is growing at a very small amount, and then mobile is growing at a large amount every yeah. year. It's, a, so. it's greatly because uh, almost everyone has a phone. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't say that about a console. Families may have a console. Right. Or maybe they'll have two for, you know, whatever. I mean, there's no thing as a LAN party anymore, but. Um, but phones is almost everyone in the house has a phone. Yeah. Everyone yeah. in the house is playing a game on that phone, you know. So, yeah, it's pretty I, cool. I, I do think, like, there's, there's like, these things that are happening where you look at stuff like the Switch and you're, like, yeah. that's also another, like, uh, sort of attempt at solving that input problem, right, yeah. where they're, like, basically it's a phone from, like, a tech perspective. Like, it's a yeah. small device with a screen. Yeah. But they're just like, but what if we gave you a controller that fits into it? And it's like, oh, that's pretty fun, actually. Yeah. So I think the crazy thing is if Nintendo and Verizon ever hooked up and made a baby, no, like, that would be the I'm best sh- baby I'm in the sure world that with that, all Nintendo products on it. I'm sure that's, like, a bunch of these tech companies are talking about yeah. that exact thing. Cause, yeah. and, and that's the other bit right is like this stuff's getting it's fairly expensive but it's getting cheaper yeah in a way so like like if you have like a you know i've got like an iphone 10 whatever yeah max, max or whatever so it's huge and whatever yeah. and it's over a thousand dollars to buy the phone or whatever yeah. so they're very expensive but 
it's a lot easier to justify that purchase because you're like, well, I'll have this for a couple of years. It's yeah. my phone and my calendar. And, you know, it's like XXX things. Um, Could uh, you imagine sticking a Qualcomm and a Switch? Mm. <laughs> That'd be nice, right? Think about yeah, it. it it's small enough to fit. I, I actually think like there's a very big possibility though that like I mean they already have things like oh you know there's this pen and you can use it to draw on your mm-hmm. iPad it's like it's not that crazy a thing like what if we had this thing that connects to the side of it now you can play like oh look Apple Arcade just launched That's mm, I true. wonder if anybody's yeah. thinking about this stuff like yeah. I just have to guess that like if that isn't happening very soon it's happening soon for yeah. sure I uh, think I think it has to happen for Nintendo because. They uh, they are not in the same lane as Xbox and PlayStation anymore. They're not in that same type of – they're in a, their own lane. But I think with the Switch being in their own lane by themselves and still innovating and still trying to give players what they want and stay true to what they offer, it's, I, think, I think in the long run it's going to cost them more because, again, we're talking about a $1,000 cell phone, uh, still a $600 Switch, and then, you know – damn near a thousand dollar console so it's almost like people are going to have to then make big choices and like you said mobile is winning in that choice but in certain regards but if it's one of those things where it's like if nintendo can figure it out to where they're like hey let's give you the best of of all these worlds where we can give you triple a games triple a mobile games a cool device a cool device that you can play with friends a cool device that links like, because your phones don't really link. You still use an old ways of communicating when you're doing like PDP mm. and stuff yeah, like that yeah, on your yeah. phone. But they can figure that out, man. That is, they're going to be propelled so far. And then the cool thing is that they still got to, you can go switch it out. And it's this smaller, even smaller device because you can take the, the hand things off. And now you still can watch your Netflix on. You can still watch all the things you want. Yeah, 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 you know, sure. the stuff you do on your no, phone I, anyway. I, you know, yeah, so. I know. I definitely think um, it, it's almost like, certainly going to keep going more and more that yeah that way going forward so yeah. yeah like that's basically like that's my sort of thinking around it and, and like it's funny because like there's these moments that i have that i'm like they're like uh visions into the future and like one of them is like my wife who like you know she's actually like the almost exact same age as me she's a couple of weeks younger than mm-hmm. me um and she prefers to not use a mouse on a mm. computer like oh, she likes just a, touch screen. She'd rather use a touchpad than like oh, than like okay, okay, gotcha. than like using a mouse. Like okay. it's like she'll unplug <laughs> my mouse and use like a touchpad, and I'm like wow. horrified by this every time I say I'm like why would you do this? This is so insane. Like and there's a bunch of people in my work that are in a similar thing where like they we a lot of us use Macs and they literally will use their touchpad. Like they never plug in a mouse while they're working. But you need your middle mouse button. I'm with you. So wait, so what so are there are there new um are there new ways of input on touchpads now where you can have multiple finger impressions and there, it mi- mimics have, that or something I or what? I think they have uh, <clears throat> there are multi you can do like multiple finger touch and there's like hotkey hot, oh, wow. hotkey click to do things. Yeah, right? yeah. But anyway, it's it's more just like this sign of like uh there is a there's there's a the winds of change are blowing you know it's like stuff is going to keep changing like that and so it feels like yeah we're going to look up in a little while and people are like why on earth would you have like a controller like that seems insane you know people so. want to interface and interact differently yeah sounds like yeah. yeah well that's cool man so this was awesome I want to say thank you for taking the time well, thank you this um fun. thanks man thanks uh well I hope you guys learned something new. Um, if you're thinking about design in any aspect, I think this video is going to be 
very informational for you and you'll be able to learn a lot because our guest has approached design on many different facets and has been able to work um, in that regard on those those areas of, of design. So thank you very much. Hope you learned something new. Have a good one.